My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started a WNR podcast with my friend, Dan Mike. And every month, we bring you the latest collections, newest content, 205 Live, and the crown jewel of the WNR NXT update. Also, each month, the latest pay-per-views, and we are live, not only for the big four, but every takeover as well. Plus, in 2019, we go back 20 years and witness the attitude rise and the WCW's demise. Until we've watched everything, we're with you and we we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by Dan White. And today it's the WNR 204, it's the W Network Review for February. But before we do anything, let's start with the alternate intro. It's cold outside, there's no kind of atmosphere, I'm all alone, more or less. Let me fly far away from here, fun, 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 in the sun, sun, sun. I want to lie, shipwrecked to comatose, mango juice, goldfish shells, nibble at my toes, fun, 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 in the sun, 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 dun, 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 And of course that is Red Dwarf, but enough about me and my shenanigans, Dan, what's the intro? Um, I'm going to start up a GoFundMe page for James to get singing lessons, if anyone wants to contribute then it is, uh... It is more than advised, as you've just heard there. But the proper intro, and every month we review the latest content on the WW Network, including collections, new programs, 205 Live, all the latest news, and the crown jewel of the WNR podcast, NXT Update. Plus, on this episode, the fallout from NXT UK's takeover. So we move on to collections, and only one new one this month, and that's... uh... King Booker, all hail. Raise your pinky and join WWE Hall of Famer King Booker as he revisits his most regal jousts with Undertaker, John Cena and more. So, Dan, what are your thoughts on King Booker? I thought it was a silly gimmick, to be honest with you. Um, I, I wasn't happy with it. I think it, he was better than that. And I, and this is where I, I disagree with you. I really feel King Booker was kind of made Booker T the main event in WWE and finally made him win the World Heavyweight Championship. You think beforehand, struggling to make his way through, you know. He was world champion, moved over after the invasion angle, kind of intercontinental and that. WrestleMania match with Triple H and then this kind of King Booker character winning the King of the Ring and then the World Heavyweight Championship as well. His only kind of, you know, WWE Heavyweight title on SmackDown, and I, I've got to be fair, the, the pinky finger, and I mean, the court maybe was a little bit ridiculous, but I didn't mind it, and I think if anybody is a fan of Booker T, I think it's a good part of his career. Right, we move on to new content, and we start off the 26th of January, it's WWE Chronicle Page. Well, witness the events that led up to Page's sudden retirement in the most revealing episode of the WWE Chronicle yet, and no, James, it doesn't show 
that video. No, it doesn't, because I watched it in its entirety, and I don't mind W Chronicle, and sometimes the, my, my problem with it is the fact is that maybe too many times, uh, and we can see beyond page, and I think within the first 20 seconds of this documentary, you realise uh, what this is going to be about. Just then, you probably get more reality than you have in any of the Chronicles. So then what did Paige have to say there, Dan? Well, she, you know, she uh, noted her trials and tribulations. She said, you know, she's been through drink and drugs. She's bounced back from that. She's been cyberbullied. She's been, ba- you know, she's come back from that. And everything that's kind of dragged her down, she's managed to build herself back up again and, you know, up to and including her return to the ring. Yeah, and this is what the, the Chronicle features on of her actual return. Uh, and solution, which people maybe forget, you know, last year when Paige did come back, uh, you know, fans were excited about it, and, and of course, you know, you had Absolution with fuck me, Sonia Deville and Mandy Rose, who she knew from Tough Enough back in the day as well. Uh, and you know, this she's she's talking about, you know, being told it's going to be a first ever Royal Rumble event as well. You know, make that announcement for women, and, and she's really excited. You know, she's talking about the kind of journey, uh, you know, and then about twenty minutes in, all of a sudden, it kind of See it in her eyes that she never, ever thought this moment would come. And it's quite a kind of shocking in a way. So December 27th, 2017th at Raw Live event. Kicking her back. Mm-hmm. So you don't see the move happening, but you can see her kind of trying to struggle getting up. You see the referee putting the X up as well. And see, she has so many setbacks, and it's just another speed bump, you know? So it's January 1st, 2018, Raw Miami. Paige is backstage. No, it's a page beforehand. She's like, oh, I'm going to go meet up with the trainer now. They're going to tell me. I've expected to be cleared. You know, everything should be all right. Uh, they've got the cameraman there and they're going, look, we're not going to film this part. Just just stay in there. You know, we're going to, you know, talk to her behind closed doors. It kind of sets up nicely, though, for the fighting with my family film that's just been released. Yeah, yeah general release uh, next week with Paige, you know, a story coming. Stephen Merchant directing, of course, which is 90% on Rotten Tomatoes as well, which is, which is uh, a great rating. Yeah. But now we see Paige afterwards getting the news. Well, it doesn't look like it was good news. <laughs> she's not going to be part of the Rumble. But Royal Rumble. Yeah, the, so she's back to square one again. Got told she can't wrestle because of where she got kicked and the injury. They're going to see if they could do surgery on it. So then January 9th, 2018, Pittsburgh. And Paige telling her parents that not going to be any WrestleMania. Nice little happy chronicle then, Dan. Um, so... She rang her parents after she got told that, you know, the doctor said you're lucky you weren't paralysed uh, after what happened to you. And even if you had surgery, you wouldn't be recovered. And you can see Paige, she's devastated, you know, after the, the kind of fairy tale comeback, she said three and a half weeks later, um, put put out forever. Uh, obviously, afterwards, you know, she went on to be general manager. She was having quite suddenly been taken away. Uh, where would you want to see Paige used next, Dan? It's limited to what she can do, but... You know, she has got a face that you would like to put on screen. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying she's... Well, maybe a manager, you know, maybe used in that way or, you know... But then, you know, nowadays... Uh... Well, okay, what about replacing Renee Young once she leaves with Dean Ambrose? Maybe she could do that on commentary, you know, maybe there's a chance for Potentially, her. yeah. Hopefully, yeah. they do use her well, but it's a damn shame, you know, and over a year now since then. Uh, were you a big fan of Paige anyway back in the day? I was a fan of Paige, yeah. Uh, I enjoyed her NXT stuff, you know, coming up to the main roster, and that she's very impressive coming through. I think, you know, she was she had the NXT roster on the main show, didn't she? For a yeah, while. championship moved out and then beat AJ for the Divas title on her first appearance as well. And, you know, like I said, she's one of those women who did change the perception of uh, 
divas and, and women's wrestling back in a day, and it's a, it's a real shame. But it's a great program, only a half hour long, uh, and it's got some real, real emotion to it, you know. So it's definitely uh, one to watch on the network. And another great program as well, one I really like, uh, 27th of January was W24, WrestleMania New Orleans. They do one of these every, uh, talk about the WrestleMania and behind the scenes. And I think the real news story into this one was the little clip they gave us uh, at the, at the, you know, as to a, a trader for it as it was and uh again we do it so well because right at the start of the episode you know it's 51 minutes long and they pull you in uh straight away with it because it, the the famous clip that we talk about is of course brock lesnar backstage with vincent man <laughs> so, you just shout ourselves you're fucking ourselves yeah. so brock lesnar comes and throws a belt at a man vincent man responds with you fucking arsehole that is never explained, unfortunately, on, on WWE 24. They don't really go into detail about that. They show Roman Reigns and his kind of journey. He's uh, beaten at the hands of Lesnar. You can see two cuts hard way as well from, from Roman Reigns, and it still doesn't get the crowd over into him. Uh, also, other th- I mean, I kind of forgot about WrestleMania last year a little bit, you know, and they, they try to catch us up with it. There is a couple of funny moments um, that we'll get into, but you talk about the cards last year. We had John Cena in the crowd because he wanted to face off with the Undertaker. That happened, but it was only over in a few seconds. They touched on Oscar versus Charlotte, uh, which, again, awful. Uh, Ronda Rousey was featured a lot. You can see her uh, the night before. Uh, and this is the bit I love, you know, night before you can see them all mingling and stuff like this. Get ready for the event, and Ronda Rousey's definitely kind of starstruck and getting told by everybody, even Big Show's telling her to kind of remember to breathe. You know, you know what's kind of put in there. Kurt Angle's talking to her as well. And she goes, what do I do when not the kind of promo and the fire comes up? And he says, well, Goldberg used to uh, have it in his mouth and then wait till he came out and then spell it out, you know, <laughs> through the smoke. Uh, and Ronda Rousey's like, really? Oh, my God, I might try that. Uh, so there's a kind of lot of things behind the scenes. One of them is, I don't know if you remember the entrance, because it was Triple H and Stephanie versus Angle and Rousey. And uh, Stephanie and Triple H were coming riding on the bikes, weren't they? Yeah, and there's a very funny altercation between uh, the McMahons, as it was. Let me find it quickly. The McMen. The McMen. They mentioned Rousey, of course, WrestleMania uh, 31 with the Rock involved. So all of the wrestlers are going through their entrances now the night before to make sure they get it nailed on, testing out the fireworks as well. I think it's so fucking cool. It blows my mind. It was saying as a kid, I would love to see that every single one of them going through what they do, how it's going to work. It's phenomenal planning. That's why WWE is the biggest. And you see, like, they're all fucking, all of them are awestruck as well. Jeff Hardy, who's been around for years, is taking pictures. Yeah. Randy Orton there. Even Randy Orton's like, that's awesome. Yeah, because he is. He was looking in the mirror. There we go. So on bikes. <laughs> he said, you want Stephanie riding one alone? Vince's like, we're going to try. Oh, that's WWE 24. And uh, I think, it's, it's again, it's great. It's uh, 51 minutes long. It's definitely worth watching uh, because you, you relive WrestleMania and like, so you see so many behind-the-scenes things. It re- really is definitely worth it. Do you think it's a bit kind of late, though, you know, where they release it the following year? I I do in a way, but then again, if they, they've, cause they've done it, like I say, for the past four years now, and it kind of builds up, I think excitement because we're on the road to WrestleMania. So I think it's quite good. Yeah. You know, we've got the Rumble and it's like, oh, that's WrestleMania last year. Now we can look forward to WrestleMania uh, next year. I think the po- problem is here, yeah, you kind of forget about half it as uh, as it is. So I couldn't, I couldn't tell you half the matches. I couldn't tell you who the bar faced. No, no, okay. Well, this is the thing. And it's like um, 
even WWE kind of forget about themselves because they speak about Rusev, about Rusev Day, and he's there with Lana, and they're saying how popular you know he is, and he's coming out and um, getting cheered so much. And they showed a Fatal Four Way match, which I had difficult to remember for the US title. And all they showed of it is Rusev kind of looking at the crowd as everybody's going Rusev Day, Rusev Day. He's got Jinder Mahal down, and I was like, "Oh, cool, Rusev Day won United States. Uh, Rusev won United States start on that match." Then and I was like, "Oh no, wait a minute, Jinder Mahal won it, didn't they?" So even <laughs> WWE are kind of changing what should have been a great moment. You know, it's a bit weird. Uh, WWE superstar picks are full of February. My man Drew McIntyre's picks: uh, Bret Hart versus British Bulldog from uh, Re- Wembley Night Night Two, one of my favourite matches as well. Mankind versus Taker from 98. Obviously, the Hell in a Cell match. Yeah, one of my favourite matches. 2008, Edge versus Undertaker, WrestleMania 24. One of my favourite WrestleMania main events. Hell in a Cell, uh, tag team match, Ziggler and McIntyre. Obviously, one of your favourite men. <laughs> yeah, one of my one favourite men involved in that as well. Then we had the Edge Show. Uh, episode 8 was the 28th of Jan. It's like they kind of pushed just one shot at a time, don't they? Because there's yeah. not been any more... Uh, photo shoots which I liked uh, there's a few others as well like Table for Freeze haven't been yep. them for a while alright so episode 8 Go on. well episode 8 and the power of the push falls into unexpected hands Tommy Dreamer describes Giant Heat and Becky Lynch is dying to sell a new supplement episode 9 February 4th no show is safe in his channel surfing safari for a paradox of parodies and a tantalising tributes to the small screen and episode 10 was Edge and Christian search for answers as they're turned upside down on a psychedelic journey through this epic season finale. And I, I do like Edge and Christian, but I feel 10 episodes, it's jumped the shark a little bit. Uh, I, there wasn't any funny moments. And something really annoyed me, I think, in episode, uh, I think, 9, is they, they, again, mocked the internet wrestling community. Uh, you know, had them as two guys in their basement, you know, waiting for their mum to, to cook them dinner and stuff like this. And it's like, okay, that joke's really funny 10 years ago. But when WWE rely on the internet so much, it becomes the wrestling community. And we all work through Twitter and Facebook and, and stuff. And WWE are whoring themselves out to that product to say, please retweet us, please, everything like this. So I think it's a bit of double standards when they turn around. Edge and Christian need people to listen to their podcast and need the internet to watch their shows. You know what I mean? So, again, don't disrupt your audience too fucking much. That's, that's all nah. I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like Edge and Christian, but again, I think it's too far. And I think they ran out of material. I think that is the problem. After 10 episodes, they didn't have anything to do, you know? Well, I think, you know, um, there are some funny moments on throughout the series, but I think you could make a decent, probably 40-minute long episode out of everything they've done in that whole season. Yeah. And... It probably would be better. Yeah, I think without doubt, I, I would agree with you there as well because you know, therein lies the problem. They're given too much time, like I said, sacrifice other programs not to be on. Uh, and I think that is a kind of a real shame. But anyway, move on to London, and that is Hidden Gems. And first up, it's uh, the Grand Royale, January 16th, 2011. Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, Xavier Woods, and many more have their sights set on FCW Gold as they compete in the second ever Grand Royale. And uh, on Hidden Gems, we've got a hint of machismo, and it's before the bad guy made his official WWE television in-ring debut. Razor Ramon took on El Matador in this match from Superstars. Yeah, that was June 29th, 1992. And then December 16th, 2000, the fearsome team of Brock Lesnar and Shelton Benjamin take on the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, and Mr. Black from OVW. 
uh, on February 19th, 1979, on Broadway. The WWE Championship is on the line at the world's most famous arena as Bob Buckland defends against Greg the Hammer Valentine. So that is with all new content. Uh, but the W Network will air Mark Henry original documentary on Sunday, February 17th, immediately following the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. Titled The Mark Henry Story, this documentary will take a look at the incredible tale of strength, passion and the will to succeed and will chronicle Henry's journey inside the WWE. Now a W Hall of Famer with a backstage job, Henry is one of the most longest serving employees in the company with 23 years and counting a European ECW and World Heavyweight Champion. He rarely steps back in the ring nowadays and the last time he laced up his wrestling boots was over a year ago for the greatest Royal Rumble in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. And the behind-the-scenes shows W Confidential will be coming to the W Network this coming Monday with around half of the available episodes to be uploaded. The full Confidential library has over 40 episodes. Hosted by the late, great Mean G, we took a look behind the scenes at some controversial issues and aired on Spike TV between 2002 and 2004. Topics covered on Confidential at the time were the Montreal Screwjob, which featured Sean's first public admission of his involvement, Steve Austin quitting the company in 2002, the Monday Night Wars, Miss Elizabeth's death, and more. Yeah, we talked about this when, uh, unfortunately, you know, when we lost Mean Gene, and it's a, it's a great move for WWE. They've got that in their library to put it on. They have especially, you know, we talk about when Austin left, the kind of verbiage that was used against him. They, WWE didn't think that he was ever going to come back, and it's interesting they've done it with Bret Hart as well, you know, with about the screw job, and then changed their tune. But now it's time for 205 Live. We move on. to the Buddy Murphy show. And we, we start off the Cruiserweight action by going back to the Royal Rumble kickoff and watching the Fatal 4-Weight for the championship. And it's going to be my man, the Cruiserweight champion, Buddy Murphy versus Akira Tozawa, Hideo Tami and Kalisto. And the numbers are against him here. And of course, we were doing our live show, so we missed doing commentary on this. So we're going to bring it to you in its entirety to start off 205 Live for this month. We've seen up all the build-up for this, and it should be an interesting match. And what I saw going on in the background, it looked quite good. But it, uh, Tommy's rolled to the outside. Well, Kalisto got rolled up Murphy. Murphy got up Tazara. Tazara rolling up Buddy. Neither of them can really get any proper fall into it. And Murphy powers Tazara up into the corner. Kalisto tries a sunset flip. He gets caught and thrown into a corner as well. Hidawa Tommy's being a wise one. Oh, my God. Now Tazara... Got the submission in Murphy, but Murphy managing to power Akira up. He's not everything he does is power. And total well backbreaker there to Zawa. Very powerful one. Powerful chop there from Kalisto. And then Murphy's got the hand of Kalisto. Kalisto beautifully working the ropes there. Second to top, then top back again. Now Murphy dragging Kalisto up. Got him in the power bomb. Kalisto manages to land on his feet though. Like Murphy missing with the back elbow. Hess is his takedown. 
Beautiful sending Murphy to the outside and Kaliso can try to take advantage, but Tizara's there. A spinning hill kick and Kaliso's down. Oh, uh, uses the back of Kaliso to take out Murphy. He was on the edge of the ring apron. Well, very innovative there, but Murphy sends Cesaro into the barricade. Kaliso on the apron. Comes diving off, but Murphy catches him with a suplex. Held him there for at least five seconds. At least eight seconds. And, and Hideo Itami there, he's avoided the action thus far and he stood tall in the ring on his own. No, he's definitely shown his veteran instincts. He's a champion looking over. Well, let's hope he sticks around for a while. Well, I think he should. He is a cruiserweight champ. As Murphy now is going to look to face off a Ritami. Yeah, because I'm talking about Murphy. <laughs> Why would I ever say I hope Murphy sticks around? And says, oh, I want some buddy. Yeah, buddy. And Murphy's not going to back off. Snap there. Take down. Oh, by Ateo. Right. Big kick to the spine. Powerful kick to the... Murphy snap there. Take down. That's a powerful kick to the spine. But Ateo reversed it. Snapmare tries one of his own. And Itami, his striking is definitely up there with the best in WWE. <coughs> I think Murphy made a mistake by trying to slap Hideo. Uh, he's getting in the corner and Hideo is uh, stumping a mud out and he's walking it dry. And Hideo's stopping other guys from getting in, kicking Akira away. Now he's got Kalisto on the apron. And uh, Hideo's on that second rope. Looking to try and suplex Kalisto in, but... Murphy's got hold of Kalisto in a powerbomb. And now here comes Tazawa. Flying through <laughs> Itami's legs. Takes out Murphy and Kalisto. And Kalisto manages like Hurricane Runner, Buddy Murphy into Barry Cade. So Tazawa, I'm uh, sorry, Hideo's the last man standing at the moment. Itami throws Tazawa and Kalisto back over Kalisto, but he kicks out. Uh-huh. Drags Tazawa into the ring, goes for a cover on him, but he kicks out as well. Uh-huh. And now they maybe get a little bit frustrated, but he's the freshest man out there at the moment. Back in, but gets thrown outside again. It looks like Atami's just one step ahead of everybody at the moment. Oh, oh my word! Tazawa gets monkey flipped by Kalisto into Buddy Murphy, takes him out. Now Kalisto might feel lamented with him. Step up in Zaguri, spring ball back in. Hits the center. Springboard corkscrew elbow. And Kalisto so quick. Goes to the midsection. Picking up Hideo. Rolling Death Valley driver. Goes for the cover. Oh. For Itami just getting his shoulder up at two. Two. Aiden English on commentary. Alongside Vic Joseph and uh, Nigel McGuinness. <laughs> replay there. Tizal went absolutely flying. But Murphy back in as Kalisto might be looking for the uh, Salida del Sol. Well, Murphy gets a slap for his troubles. Oh, looking for the City Del Sol. Lands on the shoulder of Murphy. Throws him into Itami. Well, Kalisto was the javelin. Itami was the javelin catcher. Tazawa off the top rope now. Missile drop kick. Tries to kick, but Murphy moves. But Tazawa rolls out from behind. Wick- wicked back suplex. King Shasha, that was. Only a two count for Tazawa, though. Two. Uh, he couldn't hit the couldn't get the job done with the Shining Wizard, but can he finish him off with their Japanese high rise? <laughs> no, Tommy stops him. He's got Tazawa on his shoulders. Oh He's planted into the apron head first. <laughs> oh, Tazawa was looking to go flying, but it, Tommy moved. Oh, Tazawa with a suicide headbutt there. 
to the outside. Murphy looks set to go flying. Oh, no, Kalisto. No. Throws oh. Kalisto over the top. Kalisto well, must have been at least 15 foot in the air. At least 25 foot in the air. And now it looks like the cruiserweight champion, Dan. That's right. Your cruiserweight champion is going to go flying to the outside. Here he comes. Oh. Sailing over the top rope. Takes down all three guys. And isn't it refreshing? Cruiserweight championship match. Not one of these guys is American. Uh, and that really, I think it just brings a little bit of freshness to it. You don't feel like these guys have been around. You know what I mean? You've not seen a lot of these. It feels different. And even though it's on kickoff, you know, I don't think Bunny Murphy minds that. You know, as long as they get given, you know, fifteen minutes or whatever. It well, was he's happy with time. an opportunity. Yeah, and, and I, think, I think this is what it shows. You know, that he's not got that big of ego. He just wants to prove that how good he is. Oh my God, he's dead. Spike Tower can runner. Oh. He's going to get his head planted into the mat. My God, but imagine a kick out. Ah. It, it does look like he just gets spiked there. Do you know what I think is really underrated? Tajiri. Yeah, Tajiri's underrated, yeah. I thought he was a fucking brilliant worker. I've seen him in a few matches against William Regal. Uh, he beat Rob Van Dam, I think. As mm-hmm. well. You know, he was good. Go back to any ECW stuff as well. There's a triple threat yeah. match with uh, Super Crazy and Little Greedo. Fucking awesome. But his, his work is doing nowadays, and it's like, you know. Hamstring elbows and that ago, shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Murphy, I think, might be out. Kalisto is going up. Oh, uh, he can barely stand, but oh. Tazawa's in there, cuts him off. And a back elbow, but Itami is getting back to his feet. He gets beaten off as well. Oh. Murphy sets him up in the corner, kick to the head. Sit out, goes for the cover, one. Two. Oh, oh, but Tazawa makes the save. Oh, keeps t- this match alive. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, Tazawa keeps himself and the others in this one because that would have been definitely over, I feel. And now Murphy caught with the chops. I think that might have angered him. Sends Tazawa into the corner. Runs into a big boot, though. Murphy's staggering. Cross bar. Murphy rolls through, powers him up. Well, very powerful there by Buddy Murphy. He's got him on his shoulders. Oh! Gets planted again <laughs> with a hurricane runner. This time a reverse one, though. And Itami pushes Tazawa one. off. One. Oh. No. Kalisto rolling up Itami. Two. Oh. Managing to get a shot up at two. Two. Salida del Sol. This is it. One. Two. Oh. oh. But Itami managing to kick out. Uh-huh. And that would have been it because Murphy, even though he saw what was going on, didn't have the energy to stop it. Well, prediction-wise in this one, who did you go for, Dan? Probably anyone but Murphy. No, I think you went Bloody Murphy no, in this I one. Yeah, know, I think a record show you went Murphy. Did. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't agree, think yeah. I did. Yeah, the records did. have been shredded, <laughs> deleted forever. Yeah. I mean, I know you didn't do well at the Rumble, but you definitely got Murphy right. So, I think, there you go. That's uh, definitely one point. Are we all living in the past now? <laughs> that was a month ago now. We've got another fucking... We got. I got beat you at Chamber as well coming up this weekend. You're right. We got to try. <laughs> now, all four men slowly getting to their feet. All men trading now. Tazar Kalisa knocked down and Murphy and Atami looking at each other. Well, these two guys going mano y mano. It's not a good idea to try and trade. And as I say that, Murphy rocks Atami with a knee. Step up in Seguri. Murphy ducks it. It catches <laughs> Itami. Jules super kicks there. Rocks Murphy. And now Tazar's got Kalisa. No, Kalisa turns him through. Kick to the face. Got to look for that runner. No, Tazar blocks it. 
hits him with a kick of his own. And now Murphy just kicking the slap, go for the knee, dodged. Oh, kicks blocked by <laughs> Tazawa. Murphy's out on his feet. No, hits him with a jumping knee. But here comes Kaliso springboarding in. Oh my he god, he gets caught with a knee as well. Folds him up in half. Well, Murphy's taken that too, but they've rolled out of harm's way. And I don't know if he notices Atami. Sidesteps the knee. We're gonna s- we're gonna see GTS no Murphy rolling out. Oh, Murphy spins him round, gets caught with a spinning back fist. Oh, but Murphy manages to turn him, hits him with a knee. Oh, <laughs> hits a second one for good measure. Why don't you cover him? No, he's not finished yet. He wants Murphy's law. Picks him up. Bang! Slams him down. One, two, three. I mean, Mur- Buddy Murphy wins. And I know sometimes his selling can be a bit off, but... He's trying his best week in, week out. And, and I, I can't have a go at a guy who tries, you know. And again, for a cruiserweight title match on a, a kickoff a rumble, it was very, very good. I mean, I'm not going to say it's like a five-star, but, like, it kept me entertained. Dan, what were your thoughts? No wonder Atami left getting jobbed out to that ginger tosser. <laughs> what, are your, what are your thoughts on the match, though? The match was very entertaining, yeah. Um... You know, they're doing the best with what they've been given. Uh, and that is all you can ask from. Do they deserve a better spot? Well, when you've got Shane McMahon matches taking precedence over things like this, I think, yeah, they do deserve a spot higher on the card. But seeing as though none of their surname is McMahon or Helmsley, then they're never going to get precedence over Shane. I, I completely agree. But I think the thing is, is like you said, to get to do the best with what you're giving, you know, and uh, I think that is all that matters, is, is, you know, at the end of the day, to make sure that whatever time you're giving, to do the best, and I think those four guys definitely delivered there, and a great way to start 205 Live off. So we move on to our first episode, 205 Live, is episode 29th of Jan. The show kicks off with Drake Maverick's standard show rundown slash hype reel. Kalisto over Mike Kennellis by pinfall with a schoolboy pin. Maria Kennellis on commentary during the match. I mean, Dan, we can watch this match if you want. Nah, I'm alright, thanks. I'd rather shit in my hands and clap. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, the Revival recently complained about their position in the card and, of course, got given the tag team titles. Mike Kennellis Maria complained about the position in the card. And, and no one cares. And jobbing out to Kalisto. Well, Drew Gulak and Jack Haraka get a promo welcoming Humberto Carrillo to 205 Live and say and asking if he'll fulfil his potential. They say that, of course, they're just the men to help him, so they'll be in his corner in his next match. Well, Aria, Davari and Hideo Tommy get backstage promo, and Davari complains about four ways not being fair, as says tonight, Tommy will show how destructive he is. She's in Japanese and laughs. We get a clip of a parking lot brawl between Tony Nese and Noam Dar earlier. Drake, Maverick and Wurritz pull off Tony, and are joined by more staff to help out. An interviewer informs us that Tony is indefinitely suspended and interviews Buddy Murphy, who essentially declines to comment on the attack. As for his Royal Rumble match, he asked for a challenge, got it, and beat it. So who's the next challenge? He's going to do the same as he always does and knock them down. And he's a great prospect. And, you know, as far as Hidao Itami is concerned, his injury concerns, you know, slowed him down a bit in NXT. He's made the jump to 205 Live. And he's... In water there, you know, he's has been involved in a few of the high profile two oh five live matches, but 
just not given a chance. You know, I think 205 Live, it's kind of a curse for wrestlers at the moment. It seems that way. It seems that wrestlers aren't happy with it. And that's why, um, uh, you know, Buddy Murphy at this moment in time seems to be quite happy with his position in the card. And, you know, doesn't mind doing what they try to do with Neville in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, and if Bunt Murphy was to lose his title, would he then go back in the mix of 205 Live? He would. We've seen some guys who are happy with it. I would say maybe like Jack Halaha or Brian Kendrick or even, you know, someone like Cedric Alexander, who we asked maybe what's, what's there next for him. But I think with Atami, the problem is we've not seen the best of him. We've not seen the best of him in NXT. We've not seen the best in 205 Live. We kind of don't know what it is. And, and you know, like, he's going to go away and not reinvent himself, but he's going to come back and he's, he's going to mean business this time to say, like, look, the WWE run didn't work for me. And this is why I'm going to try, you know, my success uh, elsewhere. You know, someone like Tazaro is involved in this matchup. You could ask the same thing. Is he happy just being around on 205 Live? You know, not really being featured on Raw, SmackDown, not going to get a chance at the Royal Rumble. Is that, a, is that a position to have? Or, you know, just because you're under the WWE umbrella? Or would you want for more? This is a question that can be asked with competition as well, you know? It's an interesting thing, you know. Maybe Tazara's happy because he's young and that's a dream. And with Ritami, you know, the Christmas release was just like, no, now it's time. Uh, he's obviously going to make his way around some circuits, you know, possibly even end up in AEW. I know that is the question. As soon as anyone leaves WWE, oh, yeah, they're definitely going to go to All Elite Wrestling because that's the only other wrestling promotion that ever existed. And now that wrestlers are unhappy, that they can always threaten with All Elite. Um, But there is other places to go where you can reinvent yourself and... You know, wherever Hideo Itami goes, he's always going to be big. This is where he's got the Kenta name, which he, he was before he joined WWE, so that's still well known. You know, and they go back to being that and they kind of being allusion to it. You know, the man that kind of created the GTS uh, and, you know, the type of way he fights as well. Is his style matching up to, you know, the WWE? Maybe not, but he could have made it work. We talk about Nakamura, he's made more of a success of it. After, I think, slightly more personality, you know, Itami's not changed these past few years, but I think 205 lies a little bit in a quagmire at the moment in that way of where do you go? Has there been real success stories? And unfortunately for him, it's not worked out because obviously a concussion, thanks to your man Randy Orton, he can't, <laughs> he can't compete at the chamber now, you know? You mess with the ball, James, you get the horn. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. But there is a list, as long as my arms, of people that I'd rather see go before Hideo Itami. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know... But I think segregating 205 Live as its own show, I think that's kind of sort of been its downfall. I know there's not enough space for it on Raw or SmackDown. You know, I think the way they had it before, you know, the rosters weren't so big in the early 2000s. And you had the likes of Billy Kidman, Rey Mysterio and all that. You know, they had a, it was kind of like a tertiary title to go for, for the smaller guys. And it kept them busy in some great storylines. And, you know, I think this is... It's what we wanted for them, but I don't think it's what they deserve. No. And I think for me as well, we talk about that, I think on SmackDown, he's talking about SmackDown and the United States Championship. You know, don't get me wrong, I like the United States title, but I think the Cruiserweight title could be a secondary championship on that show. So you've got the, the World Heavyweight title and then the Cruiserweight title. You know, it could mean so much, the amount of talent. You know, you put the 205 Live roster... <laughs> Put the 205 Live roster on SmackDown, and I think you've got a hell of a show there. You can have the interaction of Samoa Joe versus someone like... Uh, oh, again, But you know what I mean? Like, Samoa Joe versus uh, Alexander or, or something like that, I think it can be a, a great match. We've seen what Tazawa can bring as well. Kalisto, I think, you know, he's been United States champion before. I think it could be perfect to have a position like that. The 205 Live, you know, it's going to be struggling. You talk about this kind of champions that kind of come and gone and the wrestlers that have gone. 
And I think we're seeing the same here, you know. And I think, you know, the kind of the position they've been put in as well, it's after the show, a lot of people have seen a lot of action there. They're just waiting for, you know, a, a, the prize, I suppose. Yeah. And, they, you know, a lot of them, they're all sat on their fucking hands and they're not appreciating what they get given to them. And, yeah. you know, 205 Live, it is a huge treat, but I, I don't know, maybe has a novelty worn off with everyone. Well, this is the thing, they've changed it around a little bit. I think they do it before now, then after, and I think that helps it out. Uh, a little bit maybe but like you said if, if you don't know the characters they should have like video promos there to, to get the people in the audience knowing who's who's there you know I think this is the thing they should do but anyway about the main event match it was uh, quite equal in the early going between these two men until Atami took over he's been controlling middle portion of this match but you know Tazawa has got Kendrick there in his corner to outweigh Davari in Atami's indeed yes and it looked like Tazar was going to go up for the senton, but Davari stopped him. Now Tazar has got Itami on his shoulders, but Itami goes for the eyes. He goes for the roll-up, but spinning clothesline by Itami on Tazara. Goes for the cover, but no, Tazar managing to kick out. Uh-huh. And Itami looking frustrated now, picking up Tazara, falcon arrow. Goes for the cover, but oh, only getting a two count. Two. Well, I do think these guys do deserve a lot better, though. The 25 Live roster. They pull it out of their ass week in, week out, you know. Segregated to the kickoff show on pay-per-views. And it's, you know, I think they deserve a lot more. Well, I think it's going to be the end now. Atami looking to put Tazar away. Tazar managing to fight out. Gets pushed against the river. Step up in Seguri. Well, that's one of Tazar's favourite moves, is that kick. And it's just not... Itami down and Kendrick. Kendrick trying to will Itami back, Kazar uh, back into it. But Davari with an elbow shot to the head of Kendrick. And here comes Itami right in the back of Tazawa. Distraction worked from uh, Davari. And Davari smirking on. And here comes Itami, basement kick. Oh no, he gets taken out by his man Hideo Itami. Oh, Davari <laughs> was caught then and Itami. Oh, my Snap word. Snap German suplex. Folds Itami in half. He's not finished yet. Drags him to the corner. And now Tazawa's going to look to put Itami away. Oh, sent on off the top. Goes for the cover. One, two, three. Tazawa beats Hideo Itami. And um, well, I'm not going to say I'm surprised, but I don't think a bad match. Dan, what are your thoughts? No, it definitely wasn't a terrible match, but... I think Itami definitely deserves better from the company. But, you know, you can't cry over losses and, you know... No, but I think it's not entirely WWE's fault. I think Itami maybe could have, you know, tried a little bit more, but obviously it comes to an end. As for Tazawa, gets a victory now. Let's hope they can build momentum. him still young. I've been a big fan of Tazawa. And not a bad match. I think it's quite good, you know, as, as Tazawa getting put over by... Itami in the end. Well, Davari now is going to go check on Itami afterwards. He's, he's not gotten up since that sent on. Davari's been by Itami's side these past couple of months. He's hoping to get up. Nice bit of respect. Oh! Knock it down with a lariat from Davari. And Davari standing over Itami. And Davari's done a heel turn as he was a heel. <laughs> he's done a Healy heel turn. Super heat. Well, he's split. From his partner, does that mean Davari now is going to take the Atami position on the card? We shall see. 
So we move on to our next episode, 205 Live, episode 115, February 5th, 2019. And we are in Everest, Washington, and your announcers are Vic Joseph, Aidan English, and Nigel McGuinness. Tonight, we will find out who faces Buddy Murphy for the Cruiserweight title at Elimination Chamber. It will be an elimination match where Cedric Alexander, Akira Tozawa, Humberto Carrillo, and Leo Rush will battle. Rush has a top record on 205 Live, but has never wrestled for the title. Carrillo is the newest member of the roster and is the underdog in this match. Tozawa has the most momentum thanks to his alliance with Brian Kendrick. And Cedric dominated 205 Live for over a year. Well, Nigel says he would love to see Humberto Carrillo win. Aiden English says that he is the reason why Cedric Alexander is the soul of 205 Live. And we get our first match, which is Mike Canellis with Maria Canellis going against Brian Kendrick. Do you want to watch this match, Dan? Not at we, all. We can do if you want. Well, I'd rather catch aids from a rabid dog. Fair enough. Back and forth. Match and the end comes when Canellis with elbows to the upper chest and then he resumes with more elbows. Kendrick wants Canellis to give him more and Canellis with a boot to the head. Canellis with another boot to the head and Kendrick wants more. Canellis with another boot to the head but Canellis is not trying to pin Kendrick. So Kendrick then hits a slice of bread number two, two. from uh, for the free count. So again, Canellis moans about his position in the card. With a rival moan, they get the tag team titles. He moans about it. And he's jobbing out to Brian Kendrick. I'm just saying, maybe it wasn't the best idea. I bet you're well upset about this whole situation. I am. Situation. I'd hate to see him stay. Well, we take a look at what Aria Davari did to Hideo Itami after Itami's lost to Tazawa. Well, Davari asks how many times to be there for Itami. Every time Itami blew it. Davari says he's the only one who had Itami's back and Itami never got the job done. If you want to get something done, you've got to do it yourself. Then we get comments from the participants in the elimination match. Leo Rush wonders who will beat him. He is 2-0 against Akira Tazara. Humberto Carrillo is not ready for 205 Live. The age of Alexander is over. It's time for the Cruiserweight Champion to feel the rush. Brian Kendrick says no one gave Tazara a ch- but he won. He's going to do the same tonight and Tazara says he's never faced Buddy Murphy one-on-one before and he knows he can beat him. Humberto Carrillo says he's learned a lot in this match against Buddy Murphy and he will become the champion. Cedric said it was last year he was on his way to becoming cruiserweight champion and he outlasted 15 men. Tonight, he only has to outlast three. He will not rest until the title is back around his waist. Uh, we're back with a look at what happened between Tony East and Noam Dar last week. Drake Maverick tells Drew and Jack that his decision is final and they cannot accompany Humberto Carrillo to the ring. Drew says if he goes down the wrong path, it's on Drake. Well, Noam Dar enters the office and Drake asks him how he's doing. Dar says he wants a match next week against Tony Nice. Jake tells um, that Nice is suspended. Dar wants it settled and he'll do it in the ring or somewhere else. Drake says if it's going to happen, it will happen next week in a no disqualification match. Cedric Alexander versus Akira Tozawa versus Humberto Carrillo versus Leo Rush in a number one contender elimination match. So here we go. All four men are ring. I mean, I've got back back the man of the hour in this one, Leo Rush. Seems to have the spotlight shine on him as all three men are looking at him. Fuck them off. It's all about the beautiful dimples of Humberto Carrillo. <laughs> you and your dimples. <laughs> oh, I'm a sucker for dimples. Well, Rush going after Tazawa. Gets spun, but land on his feet. Dodges Carrillo. Again. Oh, dodges <laughs> dodges Tazawa and but, then just gets out of dodge completely. Uh-oh. And Carrillo chasing him down, but Rush again running around Tazawa. And Cedric's there. I think his luck's going to run out. 
Oh, as he gets caught by Tazawa and sent over the announce table. Humberto Carrillo's in the ring, looking to go flying. Jumps over Alexander. Oh, nice leapfrog by Cedric and Carrillo. Arm dragged down. Oh, he responds in kind to Alexander. He I mean, looks away. He's got a lot of build on him, and he's got the sunset flip to Zara now. Oh! Diving over, and Carrillo went with the German over the top. <laughs> what a start he is right now. And Alexander with Tazawa. Hurricane Rana takedown sends him to the outside. Tazawa's going to go flying. Well, Tazawa's been involved in every single match that we've watched so far. And Rush pulling Akira to the outside. Oh, oh suicide dive takes out Alexander. Oh. Takes out Akira Tazawa. Well, fair play, Leo Rush at the moment. Humberto Carrillo is getting back up on the apron. And the size discrepancy between these two, but oh my god. Handspring there by Rush, putting Carrillo down. Oh, snap there, take down by Rush, drop kick to the back of the head. And he's definitely in control at the moment. He takes Cedric Alexander out, who was looking to climb back into the ring. Oh, but Carrillo back to his feet. <laughs> it's just a stunning DDT there. And Leo Rush, he could go into champion, and he could be in two matches at Elimination Chamber. Well, that's, that's about a doubt, yeah. And Rush being very impressive at the moment. Oh, DDT in him, taking him down. I think it's because he's so small he can easily be assisted in manoeuvrability mm. when planting DDTs and things like that. I, I don't want to say like Mysterio-esque, but the kind of, like you said, so small he can kind of move around in that way and do things that normal-sized guys can't do. And I get caught with the right hands by Carrillo. He's got a point to prove in this match. We've had two fatal four-ways already and only one match to Zawa. Does it show the talent on show? Oh, catch him with a spinning Insiguri. Tazawa's up. Missile drop kick sends Carrillo to the outside of the ring. Well, Carrillo had advantage for about two seconds there. He gets rolled up by Leo Rush. And Leo Rush has kind of been on top throughout the majority of this match. What's going to be different in this one, of course, it's elimination. So there's no, you know, there's no need to save your opponent unless you feel that it's going to be easier down the line, you know. But then again, I don't know who it would be at this moment. Maybe Carrillo would be the easiest opponent to put away. But we've seen how dangerous he can be. Big kick by Rush. Avoided. Nipped up. Kick to the jaw from Rush. Goes for the cover on Tazawa. But Tazawa managing to kick out. Oh. I mean, Rush like moved the, touched the mat about four times there. And, and somebody just used to take one. And now he's seeing if it's time to go up. You can't see Cedric Alexander because he's got his eyes closed. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like he's going to go up for the final hour. No, Alexander blocking it. Not for long, though. Rush knocks him down. And here he comes. Oh, but Tazara rolls out of the way. Boot to Rush's face. Kicks him away. Cedric's got Rush. Bang. Lumbar check. One, two, three. Good night, Leo. Wow, so... Leo Rush is out. I don't think Finney collected that lumbar check, but still got the job done. And Alexander held the cruiserweight title for a very long time. Looked to get another shot at it. And just like that, you got your back and Rush had no idea. Oh, and he gets stabbed, stabbed in the back. And now Carrillo up on the apron. He's got Cedric. Sunset flips in, rolls Alexander through. Ducks the kick, nips up. Kick to the midsection. A lovely insiguri. Cedric is rocked at the moment. 
Going to close line Carrillo, but he dodges him. Oh, Springboard's off the second rope. Takes down Tazawa. Carrillo on the apron. Oh, that was proper Lucha Libra there. Is Carrillo on the top now for such a big man. God, a huge missile dropkick. Takes down Alexander. <laughs> Back was rolling to like a moonsault there. But Cedric gets shot off at two. Two. And Carrillo, and I can't believe it. And Dan, what is Carrillo's finisher for anybody that's never known before? Now, boing flip, backs flip. And Carrillo now is going to look, try and put Cedric away. But Tozawa is running. Sunset flip on Carrillo. Well, the referee's not signaled, so. Or Carrillo throws Tozawa and Cedric on the apron. And now Tozawa, Cedric. Both out on their feet, both out on the edge of the apron as well. I think Tazawa's got a far away look in his eyes. He's fighting Cedric. Both men fighting up, and Tazawa's just going to bite down that gum shield, but here comes Carrillo. Elbow shots at the back ahead for both men. What's going on here? Well, both of these men, former Cruiserweight champion, and he got the rookie up there at the top, and he's in a dangerous place at the moment. Gets thrown off the top. Oh! oh. Takes the feet from Cedric Alexander, hangs him up on the top rope, he lands in a crumpled heap on the floor. Well, now here comes Carrillo walking the ropes brilliantly, trying to go for that arm drag, but Tazawa fighting it. Oh, oh, takes the legs from Humberto out. He bounces off the top rope, lands in a prone position. Boom. Top rope sent on. One, two, three. Wow, Carrillo impressive, but eliminated here. And now it's down to Tazawa and Alexander. Which of these men will face Buddy Murphy at Elimination Chamber. Again. But credit to Carrillo. Most definitely, yeah. He's, uh, he's a great asset for 205 Live. I think he can go a very long way. Yeah, and again, some guy in NXT that maybe nobody heard of. He was in the original CWC. Now involved uh, here on 205 Live. It's his got, I mean, at least 15 foot in the air. At least 25 foot up in the air there. And his back just coming down on the midsection of Humberto. Uh, who's the fresher man now? Because Tazawa, yeah, he's had a bit of punishment. <coughs> but Cedric's got that bad will. Well, you've got the soul of 205 Live going up against Akira Tazawa. <laughs> You're going against maybe the conscience of 205 Live at the moment. Tazawa's seen it all. Neville to become Cruiserweight Champion. And Cedric means business. Oh, my God. So does Tazawa. He's taken out the gum shield. Take shorts off. And then Cedric Alexander <laughs> takes his boots off. Yeah. Tazawa drops his shorts. Yeah. They're sucking each other off. <laughs> <laughs> Easy, James. Easy. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, my God. Double forearms now. Both men trading. And Tazawa. Oh, my God. Riding Cedric now. Got that octopus submission in. Take it doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and Tazawa's choking out Cedric Alexander with his cock. <laughs> Oh, my God, Tazawa moves to the other side. Is Cedric tapping? No, just struggling to get to that top rope. And this is an opportunity to fight Buddy Murphy at Elimination Chamber on yep. the kickoff show. Tazawa rolling up Cedric, but Cedric gets his shoulder up. And now Sunset flip, Tazawa's down. Oh, oh Tazawa managing to kick out. Oh. oh, And both men with a bicycle or a pump kick there taking each other out. They've landed in kind of a scissors position. <laughs> and if you watch a lot of lesbian porn, you'll know what I'm on about. Like you do. Oh, my God. Now, Cedric looking to put away Tazawa. Lumbar check. No. Tazawa rolls all the way through. Nearly landed. Kick to the midsection and a knee to the jaw. 
And Cedric going to put away now. Back forearm, but Tazawa with the kicks. Oh, that's a spinning heel kick. Oh. The fake out from Tazawa cracks Alexander on the jaw. But Cedric, though, back elbow. And Akira's out on his feet this time. And now handspring into the German suplex. Oh, oh gets caught with another one. Two. Oh. Only a two count, though, for Tazawa. Two. Alexander's a great talent as well. Maybe someone that needs to be a little bit more louder. You know, a little bit more personality. Yeah. But he just can go. Even from CWC. I mean, that's like two, three years ago now. To now. He's just worked every... You know, like we said, gets better every time you see him. I even enjoy... I, I love watching Tazara. Even again, you know, from the CWC. The amazing Tazara as he was then. And he's impressed me week in, week out. Been a constant. Not really been given the chance, but... Again, you know, is there too many men on the roster to warrant having just one title? Well, I think this is the thing. We've seen Tazawa three times and we've not got bored of him yet, you know. So, I mean, that definitely says something about him. There's definitely so much talent here. But Tazawa now going to look to put Alexander away. And Cedric using all his smarts going on the apron. Well, I don't think he's going to be safe just yet. Tazawa on the apron as well. Maybe Cedric playing possum. Hello, possums. No, don't look that way. Cedric out. Oh, my God. Huge kick to the face. And now Tazawa going to look to suplex him, but Cedric holding on. Alexander doing everything he can to block it. Pushes Tazawa away. Oh! Oh! Catches him with like a rock bottom on the edge of the ring apron. Rolls Tazawa back into the ring, looking for the cover. Ah, but Tazawa rolls away. A roll on his back, but Cedric just so quick and slamming Tazawa down. Falcon oh. Arrow. Only a two count, though. Two. Was that Phoenix Black? Honestly, it was the height of it. It was just looked like a fucking slam. Scoop slam. I've never seen a scoop slam like that in my life. Cedric cannot believe it. Tazawa was legitimately about eight foot in the air. At least 12 foot in the air. Legitimately. Legitimately. Now both men trying to get back to their feet. I think Alexander wants to end this as soon as he can. And this is not even for the champion. This is just for being number one contender. This is how much you have to give if you want to be the man on 205 Live. No, to be the man on 205 Live. You got Exactly. And this is a chance to face the man at Elimination Chamber. And Alexander wants his shot at glory again. It's good, though. They have all these good matches on 205 Live, and then they waste it on a fucking match against Buddy Murphy on a kickoff show. It's a good match on kickoff. It's going to be a good match. Whether these two guys face Murphy, you can guarantee it's going to be a great match. Alexander's going to be there, because it's going to be Lumbar check. No, Tazara rolls through. Second time. No, Tazara fighting out with oh, everything he can. Oh, my God. What is Tazara doing? Well, Tazawa's doing everything he can to fight Alexander off. Manages oh. to get in an electric chair position, rolls through and just plants Alexander with like a reverse hurricane rana. I have never seen a man roll like that in my life. Tazawa was on a bucking bronco lane. Alexander, oh in, James. <laughs> Alexander in position. He's in the drop zone. Tazawa going up. Sent. It's its mark. One, two, three. And, and Tazawa beats Cedric Alexander to become number one contender for your man, Buddy Murphy's championship. And I believe in my heart of hearts, 
Tazara is on a roll and he deserves to be champion. Well, I, I would dis- he's definitely been on a roll and he deserves his shot at the champion. But like you said, to be the man, you've got to beat the man. And Murphy's, in- Murphy's improved. Murphy has proved since October how good he is. But it should be a cracking match at Elimination Chamber. Three words to say to that, James. Mm. Ah! <laughs> ah! Ah! <laughs> so we now know what it will look like at the chamber. And Buddy Murphy's on the big video, and he says, like any true champion should, that Tazara, you know, I'm definitely not looking past you. You're a true threat come Elimination Chamber. But his destiny is get to WrestleMania as champ and be known as the greatest cruiserweight champion of all time. And, and I cannot disagree, even though I'm sure Dan will. So we move on to our next episode, episode 116, February 12th. The show opens with the usual highlight reel slash breakdown of tonight's festivities. The Lucha Party get a promo about how cold it is outside. But it's okay because the party's inside. And they weren't able to finish a duet with Elias last night. Grand Metallic is ready to sing a few bars. And gets interrupted by Drew Gulak and Jack Gallagher for our opening contest. So it's Jack Gallagher over... Linsterado! By Pinfall, rolling through an avalanche hurricane runner into a sunset flip pin. Caleb Braxton is backstage talking about how Drake Maverick has ordered Tony Nese and Noam Dar to separate locker rooms ahead of their match. Humberto Carrillo rolls up for an interview and says he's proud of his high flying, but if two of the best wrestlers want to train him, he has to at least listen to them. Aria Davari cuts a promo about how he didn't come to 205 Live to be anybody's boy. He came to serve himself. In this business, the only thing you collect is money and the miles, which he has both in quantities. So... He is coming for the title. Dan's favourite, Mike and Maria Canellis, cut a promo about how it took him 16 years to get to WWE. It didn't work for that long to lose to Kalisto or Brian Kendrick, or to be seen as a joke. He is a fucking joke. Maria says every time he loses, they win, they learn something, and it's a step closer to success. It's not a match that creates a legend. Legends are there, made by the match, and when the day of reckoning comes, everyone will remember the name, Mike Canellis. And we get... Tony Nese versus Noam Dar in a no disqualification match. Yeah, and I think Noam Dar's in a great position because you talk about, you know, people being stuck on 205 Live and the way it is. And with Dar, he can go to NXT UK and be involved in that. I think he's good enough to be involved in NXT as well and to be part of the picture there. He's a great worker. He could definitely pull out a great match that we've seen. He obviously needs to work on his uh, personality, but the Scottish... It's there. He just needs to be kind of focused more. And we've seen that recently with Tony Nice. You know, the two bad blood of each other. Nice had to resort to beating up Noam Dar in the parking lot to get one over on him. So, you know, we know how impressive Tony Nice is. I'm a huge fan of Nice. You know, like I said, the premier athlete. But in this one, I got back Noam Dar, you know. I'm going to go with the absolute Tony Nice because, obviously, I'll never go with the same person James goes for. No, but, of course, he... Uh, Looks like a heavyweight fights like a cruiserweight, but now is ready. He wants to show a more serious side. But Tony Nice is absolute, James. That is one thing that Noam Dar, as ripped as he got during his injury time off, he is not absolute. And look, he wears the top to show his 16-pack. Oh, without a doubt, this man has got at least a 24-pack as he comes out here. And Dar, looking on, Nice ready for business. The time for talking is over. Well, so no disqualification matches. Bad blood. There's a rivalry definitely going on. And Dar, dropkick from behind. Takes out Tony Nice as he's yapping to the crowd. And Noam 
Hasn't even got his jacket off yet. Well, jacket off. He's got niece in. And the bell is rung. And here comes Dar. Forearm to the face. Brings him out. Northern like suplex. Goes for the cover, but Nice managed to get shoulder up at two. Two. And a quick start, and Nice trying to get harm's way. And yes, fans, for those that are counting, these are two of James's guys, so of course we're going to have to watch this match. So, so did you want to watch the Mike Kellellis match instead? Did you, do you, do you want to watch the two Mike Kellellis matches that we had? Did I'd you want to watch that instead? I'd rather watch a Buddy Murphy match. Oh no, he doesn't have matches on 205 Live because he wrestles once a month. Much like Brock Lesnar. Well, Brock Lesnar doesn't wrestle once a month, does he? But Buddy Murphy does and successfully changed his cruiserweight champion month for month as well. So I can see your point. Very successful guys in what they do there with Brock Lesnar and Buddy Murphy. Yes, and like Brock Lesnar, I wish Buddy Murphy would just fuck off. <laughs> and now Noam Dahl's got the stairs. Puts him down for Tony Nese. Oh, hangs up Tony Nese on the barricade. And now here comes Noam Dahl stepping in. Oh, and just a running forearm. Takes down Tony Nice. And Dahl showing a little bit of fire. It's got fire, baby. Yeah, it's got fire. Taking Nice down. And these two men will be looking towards the Cruiserweight title hunt after the chamber, whoever the champion will be. Cruiserweight title cunt, James, I think you'll find. So you backing Murphy to beat Tazawa? <coughs> there you go, buddy said it. So Dahl now has got Tony Nice taking that turnbuckle off. And there's some serious hatred between these two. Oh, as he puts Tony Nese's <laughs> fingers through the uh, ring tightening mechanism there and just bends them back. And you can hear Tony, uh, Tony Nese screaming in agony. And Dar uh, with a joint manipulation on Nice. Oh, Nice responds by just bouncing Noam Dar's head off the turnbuckle post. If you've got broken fingers, James, you know you can't make a fist and throw a punch. That's going to be difficult for the Premier Athlete. But again, sending Dar right into the ring area. Well, that's not difficult, throwing him into the ring post. He's one-armed at the moment, but he's definitely got the power advantage over Noam Dar as he throws him into Barry Cade. Psyching himself up. And I think this, you know, this type of match-up, maybe a secondary title on 205 Live would be a perfect kind of showcase for it here. You talk about the talent on the show. As Nice now has got the chair. Well, there's so many defunct titles, you know. You could have the European Championship. It makes sense, you know. Dar holding it and you know going against Nice. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't go that far. Oh my God! And a chair shot to the face. A uh, chair shot to the chair shot to the midsection there by Tony Nice. Well, at this moment in time, Nice has got Noah Dar on that second rope, slung him across the chair. Oh, springboard lion! Oh my. God. God, but Dar somehow managed to kick out. Uh-huh. And now Nice going to go focus on the injury right in the midsection. So would you like to see Tony Nice going against his buddy Murphy for the title? I'm not sure, you know. They've got Dar involved now, and I think Dar maybe play a little bit of role in the title. I think I like Niall Dar a little bit more than Tony Nice. So I think maybe the storyline's down the road is for Tony Nice versus Murphy, and I think that would be cool, whether it be WrestleMania is, can these carry the cruiserweight division like Murphy is? I mean, I, I don't, I don't know at this moment in time. I think Nice has definitely got the cats. He's got the look. You know, like I said, I've been a huge fan of him recently. But I think there might be a few others. You know, Tazara's really impressed me recently. You know, Cedric can always put on a show as well. Tony Nice has got Noam Dar up for a scoop slam with behind him and just slams him to the mat. 
goes for the cover, but only getting a two count. Two. And Noam Dar's in a lot of trouble now. No, Nice has completely taken over. Well, Tony managed to weather the early storm that the supernova was bringing. And now the Premier Athlete is fully in control. Kicks the leg out from underneath Tony Nice as he was perched up on the second rope. Come on, look at the bruising on Noam Dar's right arm. Well, these two men have been involved in a war here tonight. And the fans are slowly getting behind Noam Dar here. He gets, gets off to the second. Nice came running in, but gets caught. Thrown upside down into the corner. Goes for the cover. Oh. But only a two count for Dar. Two. Dar. He's begging for a three from the ref, though. I don't know how much Noam Dar's got left in him. And Tony Nice definitely struggling on the outside. Oh, my God. Now, Noam Dar. Look at him in business. He's smirking, Dan. No, James, he hasn't got a cigarette in his gob. He's got a smile on his face because he's just uncovered a plethora of weapons and tools, chairs, tables. I'm sure there's a ladder under there as well. Well, the fans are happy. He's got wood in his hands and he's laying out those chairs. Well, Nice used... Oh, no. Nice goes down low with a spinning heel kick to the gut again. And here comes Nice falling in. Oh, high back body drop onto the pile of chairs that Dara set up. He's busted up his elbow there. Well, is this the future of 205 Live right here with these two great athletes going at it? And those chairs underneath with those mats. I mean, how thin are those mats? Wafer thin, yeah. James. Mere millimetres thick of a pure concrete. Wow. My God. So the impact on that for Nice. So much trouble thrown in and Dar still can't get the job done. And the fans are fully behind Dar, or all six of them that are chanting anyway. Oh, come on. There's at least dozens. The tens. The tens and tens and Dar has got the knee. Oh, just bouncing off that steel chair. Well, it's great strategy by Dar, picking the body parts apart. And he's just twisting. He's going to pop that leg off in a minute if Nice can't get away from it. Rope breaks useless here, no qualifications. Oh, but Nice going for the pinky. No pinky, no party. Oh, no, the most important part of Dar. Oh, my days, the angle that he's got that finger bent back at and all. And Nice has still got Dar up. Oh. Pump handle, power bomb. Two. Oh. oh. Well, somehow Dar kicked out of that. Ah. That well on the arm of fucking Nice, uh, of Dar. Well, Dar has been in a war and Nice is going to have to use a chair to get to his feet. And Dar now is going to look to finish Tony Nice. Oh, and Nice just not getting up. Could be equilibrium issues. And now getting caught in the right hand, but Nice for... My God, these two men absolutely trading here. Um, Dardo unleashing fire onto Nice until he runs into a forearm. Both men are well and truly spent here. Oh, but a chair by Dar. Yeah, Tony Nice was looking for a huge <laughs> left hand. But he gets he just punches a chair. Oh, and now he's got a chair on the arm of Nice. And he's trying to fight out of it. He can't. He's got the arm bent in the chair. <laughs> got like a cross arm breaker while using the chair oh my god i'm not sure i'm not sure if i've seen a chair used 
With this submission before. Well, it's extra bit of leverage. Tony Nice is trying to roll through. He's got the cover. Two. two. Oh. Only nice. a two count, though. Two. And it was Dars just suddenly getting his shoulder up. A bloke in the front row is fucking yawning. <laughs> I want to punch him in the throat. Here comes the Scottish supernova to put away Nice. No, Nice to the outside. Had him well scouted again. No, they're chanting for the tables and Dar. I think he's going to oblige. <clears throat> he sets it up the barricade. Put a very precarious position for that. Well, it looks dangerous at the moment, but Dar is going to look to put Tony Nice through the table. No. Oh, Nice turns it around and throws Dar into the steel stairs. My God, now the stairs there. Looks like a war zone at the moment. Nice now got the stairs right in front of the announce table. Oh, the fans want to see the table. <laughs> Tony Nice says, nope, I don't care what you want. Oh, my God, now Nice, one arm and all. Has got no arm, Dar, but no, Dar reversing. Taking out the leg, and Nice went chin first onto those stairs. Oh, now Amdar went on the apron, but got caught with a huge uppercut. Upper what? Dar's got the armbar locked in, but Nice powers out and slams Noam onto them still stairs. And you can see the pain in Dar's face, but he won't give up. Got the submission back in, and so much damage being done, and Nice struggling to hold on to Dar. Oh my god, he's powered him up! Oh! Slams him through the announce table, and the table just explodes. <laughs> I got 205 like live on 1 6. Well, they wanted the table spot. They got it. Nigel's down. There's Aiden English. He's <laughs> scarpered. Oh, my God. Throws him back in. Goes for the cover. One, two. two. Oh, no. Dar managing to get his pinky up at two. Two. Oh, my God. Dar's taking a lot of punishment in this match. Well, Dar's telling the referees are right. But he looks a bit out of it. No, he's not saying I'm alright. He's like, I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna eat. Hey, fucker. Oh, my God. Rolling up Nice, too. Oh, no. Nice managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Is that everything that Noam Dar had to offer? Well, he. Will a Nice? No. Oh. Uh, looking for the running Nice, but Noam Dar managed to duck out of the way. Nice hit the turnbuckle pad. And a clothesline by Dar taking down Nice. And here comes Dar. Oh! Double foot stomp to <laughs> Nice's leg that was perched on the bottom rope. And now he's got it tied up in the heel hook. Nice now caught. Well, Nice needs to escape the submission. And Charles Robson checking him. And Nice trying to get to the outside. Well, that won't work for Nice. He's trying to drag Dar's body weight. Oh, no. He's got a chair. Oh. And Nice with a steel chair to the midsection. Breaks the hold. To break the grip. Bruce of day. And Nice in all sorts of trouble having to use that chair to get up. You can see the stairs table, the announce table down. But Dar somehow on his feet. Using the apron to get to Nice. Oh. oh. And a chair right to the Nice of Noam Dar. Oh my god. Now the surgically repaired leg of Dar. Nice has caught it. Oh, stomps on the chair. Oh, my God. Dar, all sorts of trouble. And Tony Nice got a look at his face. 
Looking for that running niece on the outside. No, he can't, surely. Don't call me Shirley, but he's got that look in his eye. Comes charging towards Dar. Oh! Oh, and just knees Noam's head through that and uh, through the barricade. Oh, my God. Twisted metal and broken bodies there. For his twisted steel and sex appeal. As Tony Neese has just destroyed Noam Dar. Well, lights out there for the Scottish Supernova. What a brutal no disqualification match we've seen on 205. Neese has to drag Dar's limp, lifeless body back to the ring. And this is awesome chance coming for the 205 Live crowd. How often did we hear that? Very rare, especially if Buddy Murphy's in the match. <laughs> Burn. And now Neese pushing Dar back in. Elementary for Tony now. Two, Two three. three. Job done by Tony Neese beating Noam Dar. But what a cracking match that was, Dan. What are your thoughts? Indeed, yeah. It's be- one of the best cruiserweight matches I've actually seen in a very, very long time. Yeah, and to come from two guys, like you said, you weren't expecting it. You just thought I'd pick this match because it's my two guys. But damn, my two guys delivered in this one. Uh, nice and Dar shown they've got tons of potential here on 205 Live. And for Dar, like I said, he could drop down to NXT UK. He's got a kind of the fans are getting into it. And I think an excellent match, especially being allowed to use like the table bumps uh, and, and all, you know the chair shots and all this kind of stuff. I think it's an excellent way for 205 Live to showcase the division off, really. Uh, we get a recap of Akira Tozawa earning his number one contendership last week. Well, Drake Maverick presides over a contract signing between Tozawa and WWE Cruiserweight Champion, your Cruiserweight Champion, Buddy Murphy, backstage. Akira signs first, and Buddy has some words before he signs offering Tozawa a selfie with a champ, since that's the close to the title that he's going to get. Buddy points out he's already beaten Tozawa and lays his claim to be the best Cruiserweight ever before signing. Akira says he thinks he's unstoppable today, the king of the Cruiserweights, but the time was there's another guy who used to call himself that, and Tozawa took his title. So referencing Neville there, Walter Zara will lightning strike twice. Walter Zara beat Buddy Murphy for the Cruiserweight Championship at Elimination Chamber. That is it for 205 Live this month. Dan, what are your thoughts on the show? There has definitely been some good matches. Yeah, you know, uh, I think the shining light from the 205 Live matches we've seen is Akira Tozawa. I think he's a brilliant prospect. Definitely deserves to be in the title picture again. And hopefully we'll see him win it. Yeah, I think Leo Rush impressed me a lot. We saw his speed and his quickness there, and Dar and Nice pulling out a killer match to end it for us. So we start off with news. News! And Dan, you always say I'm talking shit, but I literally gun to right now because XW Wrestling rookie Bizarrely sells snaps of her poo to fans online. Shotzi Blackheart, a former tough enough competitor, is capitalising on coprophilia. I thought it was fecophiliac. <laughs> As snaps of her stools sell like hotcakes. James? Well, yeah, like you said, for the rest of the show, in proof of at least one transaction, as she welcomed another member to the toilet elite. After paying $5 for a shot of the poop, a mystery purchased a message to a self-nicknamed Filthy Filipino on PayPal, saying, FYI, I'm doing this to support you, not because I'm some weirdo. <laughs> yes, okay. Not because you're a weirdo. Well, with Blackheart responding, whatever, bud. No judgment here. Welcome to the toilet elite. The American advertised her unique offering prior at the weekend. She posted a a picture of a toilet seat captioned with her contact details. And a caption, it's Super Bowl Sunday. 
PayPal or PooPal me <laughs> 45 and I'll send you a picture of this morning's dump. I tell you what, Dan, if uh, if people want to send me pictures of my poo, I would be a millionaire overnight. Literally, I am down for near enough anything to make a bit of money. I will haul myself out if need be, you know. Um, but that's not it for strange interesting stories anyway, because legendary Ken Shamrock Barbara debut was a unique and chaotic spectacle. But this was a pro wrestling match, his first in the United States in almost 10 years, and Shamrock was worried that he'd taken things just a little too far. While Pitch Underground, just a few blocks away from the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the site of Super Bowl 43 in the City Hall, is normally the home to electronic dance music, techno and house parties, people packed in tight to dance the night away. But on Thursday, it was home to No Ring, No Rules Bar Wrestling, courtesy of McAloon P- Productions. Transformed for one night only into a unique gladiatorial area and potentially home to a crime scene as well. Yeah, wrestlers have blooded each other in increasingly inventive and grotesque ways all night, bumping into and around a small crowd of loud, drunken, smiling, wrestling infused, close enough to see every slam, hear every slap, even close enough to smell the liquor, cigarettes and iron tang of blood. So when I turned, I thought I was going to be able to drop him right onto the platform. When I looked down after I threw him, he's on the floor instead. I was like, oh man, that wasn't even close. His head was laying right by the corner of the platform. It looked like he was knocked out. I go to the referee, ask him if he's okay. Is he selling? Because I don't want to break character, but it didn't look good. Earlier in the evening, a wrestler named Effie, wearing pink trunks and fishnets, had put a condom on his hand and shoved it down Casanova Valentine's throat. But that felt like justice. After all, Valentine had attacked his foes with a gardening implement called a weasel as part of a bloody spectacle that saw wrestlers pound each other and drinks at the bar. And Priscilla Kelly, my new favourite wrestler, later left her opponents covered in blood, beer and vomit. And one dirty bitch and Penelope Ford soaked each other in Heineken. Matt Cross and Eli Abfly both leaped off the bar onto other wrestlers, leaving piles of bodies soaking in spilled beer, condom wrappers and remnants of trash can be foully smashed by a £250 wrestler. It was that kind of night, which is safe to say Shamrock Slam on paper was hardly the most dangerous thing fans saw as the wrestlers tried their best to capture and keep the crowd's attention. Yeah, but this was different. Even to a veteran like Shamrock, who has shared a ring with the likes of Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Rock on pay-per-view pre-bar wrestling heyday, Lawler's stupor looked entirely real. So what a crazy night it was in a bar fight there. And this is what wrestling can do, take it to the next level. Like we said, we talked about Priscilla Kelly recently, you know, tampons and all, and now vomiting on her opponent and him, you know, having to be sick uh, afterwards as well. They're taking it to the extreme. But I think if you want to say different, this is what it's offering. Do you know what I mean? I, I think I can't complain about it. Dan, what are your thoughts on this? I think there's... Going over the top just to kind of get some headlights, you know, uh, to get some highlights. You know, we've seen people being fucking uh, powerbombed off of a corner of a building into a trash can full of fucking fluorescent light tubes. You know, there's so many things that we've seen and I think it kind of takes away from the art of wrestling as it's just a case of like trying to smash each other to shit with random bits of uh, objects that are found about. You know, in a bar or wherever the setting may be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we move on and producing the goods is our next story. Former WWE superstar Sean Davari has joined WWE in a producer role and is the latest addition to the team, which has recently added Abyss, Sanjay Dutt, Shane Helms, and WWE Hall of Famer Jeff Jarrett. That's J E F F 
J A double R E double T. Well, a 34 year old Minnesota native wrestled for WWE between 2004 and 2007. First as a manager to Mohammed Hassan and then the great Carly Paul Lace Nutty Boots himself. He was eventually released from the company in late 2007 and then joined TNA for two years where he won the X Vision title. Tavari also had stints in Ring of Honor, Lucha Underground, and did many independent dates leading up to his retiring at WWE. His younger brother, Aria, is part of the 205 Live roster and welcomed him to WWE on Twitter, posting a photo of the two together along with the words, When I used to do my tryouts, my brother would always ask people if people would keep an eye out for me. After I got signed, any opportunity I had to bring him to TV as my guest, I would. I wanted to return the favour. Thankfully, it helped land him his new role. Congrats, bro. Yeah, don't put yourself too over, Devar. You're helping your brother out. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's his big moment. Yeah, but it weren't for me when I got the fucking job. So, no, that was nice there. And our next story, well, here comes the money. Yes, and Shane McMahon. No, it's nothing to do with Shane McMahon. On Thursday morning, WWE released their financial results for the fourth quarter of 2018 and the entire year. A summary of the results and a statement from Vince McMahon can be found online. Uh, which includes a more detailed breakdown of the performance for each division and WWE's outlook for 2019. Yeah, I mean, there was so much data released trying to sift through. We're going to try and go through the best bits. So, fourth quarter 2018 highlights. Revenues increased 29% to $272.5 million as compared to the pre- prior yearly quarter. Operating income nearly doubled to $53.4 million from $27 million in the prior year quarter. Our justice OIBDA increased 57% to 64.4 million, exceeding company guidance and represent an all-time record quarter. WWE Network average paid subscribers increased 7% to approximately 1.59 million paid subscribers, consistent with company guidance. Yeah, so that will happen at the end of the year highlight. Revenue increased 16% to 930.2 million, the highest in the company's history. So they're getting more revenue now than ever before. So people who say the ratings are down, whether it is, they are now more profitable than they have been in their entire history. But I'd like to think that that is something to do with the fact that they went to Saudi Arabia as well. Well, in fact, everything they do that we hate is bringing in the money now. Yeah, even Brock Lesnar and uh, Buddy Murphy. Operating income increased 51% to 114.5 million. Yeah, adjusted OIBDA increased 31% to 178.9 million, exceeding the company guidance and represent an all time record performance for the second consecutive year. International revenue increased 58% to 317.8 million from 201.3 million in the prior year, the highest in the company's history and the first time international revenue has exceeded 300 million. So thanks to us and like you said, going to Saudi Arabia, you know, Australia, stuff like that as well. Uh, w completed agreements with USA Network, NBCU and Fox Sports effective October 1st, 2019, which will increase the average annual value of its US distribution to 3.6 times that of the prior deal. Produced new large-scale international events, i.e. the greatest Royal Rumble, Crown Jewel and Super Showdown, and compelling content across platforms, including the first all-women's pay-per-view, WWE Evolution, F, Ms and Mrs. <laughs> uh, digital entertainment continued to grow with video views up 57% to 31.4 billion and hours consumed up 77% to 1.2 billion across digital and social media, media platforms. And like I said, WWE announced their uh, financial reports. 
And in 2018, WWE generated the highest level of revenue and earnings in the company's history by leveraging other brand strength to increase the monetization of our content worldwide, stated Vince McMahon, chairman and chief executive officer. A long-term growth strategy, we continue to focus on content creation, digitalization and international development. George Barrios, WWE co-president, added, we increased revenue by nearly $130 million and achieved a record level of adjusted OIBDA and network subscribers. We expect to balance 2019 revenue growth with investment in strategic areas that extend the moat around our business, enabling us to continue our business transformation and maximise shareholder value. And what it basically means, in layman terms, is that what WWE could do five to ten years' time, you know, yes, they got the big TV deals, but attendance-wise, people are, are focusing more online and internationally, and that's what they can make money on. It sees it improving year in, year out. And much like if you look at even the movie industry with kind of China box office bringing in so much money now, it is the international revenue that is, is going to bring it in, you know. So, I mean, WWE are not, you know, people say, oh, you know, the, the ratings are down, it's, it's not in a good place at the moment. They're most profitable that they've ever been. They're the biggest they've ever been and they continue to grow, you know. And I think that is the thing that even with other companies or other competition, WWE is the number one and it's going to be for the foreseeable future as well. Well, Jimmy Uso's been arrested again according to reports from TMZ. The 33-year-old WWE superstar was travelling with his wife Naomi and that is when cops say they were stopped because they was driving the wrong way on a one-way street near downtown Detroit. Police say their 2018 Dodge journey reeked of alcohol, so Naomi was ordered to step out of the car. Sources say she spoke with police, but Jimmy got out of the car, and despite commands to stay in the car, he took off his shirt and jacket and squared up as he wanted to fight. The police officers were said to have been taken out of Taser out of fear for their safety. Things settled down and Jimmy ultimately complied, but he was handcuffed for disorderly conduct and obstruct or penitentiary. Hey. He posted Bond. Yeah, and the Usos are scheduled to challenge the Miz and Shirt Man for the SmackDown Tag Team Titles on Sunday at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. Well, this is not the first time there have been legal issues with the Usos. Jimmy was charged in 2012 for a DUI, and there was another arrest in 2013, but his attorney said at the time it was for driving on a suspended license. Jay was arrested last year for driving under the influence in Hildago County, Texas. And WWE issued a brief statement. The statement is Jonathan Fatu is responsible for his own personal actions. So that's WWE saying, you know, it's down to him to do it. What do you think of uh, the Uso getting arrested so close to chamber? It's not the smartest thing to do, is it, really? It really isn't, no. Um, you know, I think wrestlers should know better, and it's not as if they're short of money if they was drinking or, you know, if the car reeked of alcohol, whether Naomi was going to pick him up. Why was she driving her and went down a one-way street? Yeah, she's obviously, you know, that needs to be looked at as well. Exactly, she's inebriated. And plus, why did Jimmy react in that way as well? So it's kind of weird, considering their contracts are coming up, uh, you know, in, in April. Is this, again, is the use of controlled it? You know, kind of maybe reminiscent of the Hardy Boys maybe a little bit as well, if they've got kind of uh, problems like this. And it would be interesting story to kind of uh, keep up on. Well, the Undertaker will be making a conspicuously timed appearance at the StarCast 2 wrestling convention in Las Vegas. Well, the convention, which is set for May 23rd to the 26th, coincides with AEW's Double or Nothing show in the city, although StarCast 2 is not an AEW event. Mm. Well, according to a user on Reddit, 
Meltzer stated that Taker will be pocketing $60,000 for three hours of appearance time, on top of charging $150 for each pitcher. Well, he won't need to wrestle again if he can make that amount of money from simply turning up, turning up to a convention for a few hours at a time. Well, presumably Khan isn't looking to make a profit from the event when you consider what the likes of Flair, Sting and Bret Hart will want for also showing up. But as we alluded to earlier, if you're an expect, <clears throat> but as we alluded to earlier, if you're expecting Taker to make a shock appearance at Double or Nothing in the same weekend, forget about it. Yeah, but it looks like the Undertaker now has moved on to the next stage of his career, and you know, for that thirty seconds, the Undertaker to sign a, a picture or you know, get an autograph for hundred fifty dollars. Do people want to do that? Then it's up to them, isn't it? He's going to make plenty of money. Well, we're going to move on to returns. Yeah, WWE superstar Ty Dillinger has been missing from action since suffering a hand injury at WWE Live Show in late October. Dillinger's injury prevented him from competing in the United States Championship match the following evening on SmackDown Live against then-champion Shizuki fucking Nakamura. The injury was significant enough to keep him out of action for more than three months because he couldn't do the 10. That was a shame. Thanks to Randy Orton. Damn. Dillinger noted that he is set to return to action tonight. Tonight. Dillinger joins SmackDown Live roster for WWE Live Road to WrestleMania, which takes place in DeKalb, Illinois, at the Northern Illinois University Center. Well, hate is going to hate. I do hate you, Jay. Yeah, you do, yeah. Well, not all superstars can drum up as much hatred by the WWE fans as much as Roman Reigns did when he was heavily pushed in the main event scene over the past few years. However, Charlotte Flair might be able to take that mantle away from the big dog after what happened at the end of Monday Night Raw this week. Despite Becky Lynch apologising for attacking Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, Vince handed her a 60-day suspension and removed her from her match at WrestleMania versus Ronda Rousey because she thinks she's bigger than WWE. Well, the WWE chairman then decided to use his powers and book Charlotte into the match instead of Becky, which brought an end to the show as the man stood alongside Ronda in the ring. This decision didn't go down with many WWE fans and they have made their feelings known in the highlight video of the segment which WWE posted on their YouTube channel. Yeah, the video is now held by Roman Reigns for most dislikes on the WWE YouTube video. The Roman Reigns video that she beat was the one where the big dog gloated following his win over The Undertaker at WrestleMania 33, where he said that WWE was his yard now. That video has 38,000 dislikes. Yeah, but Charlotte's video from this week's Raw, however, has 63,000 dislikes, and it's still growing. The hate for the Queen has spread to the video of her opening promo on SmackDown Live last night, where she stated that she will dedicate her WrestleMania win to Becky. That video currently has 12,000 dislikes as of writing. Arrivals. A new group of WWE developmental program signees report for duty today, or February 11th, in Orlando. And the news was shared via the Performance Center's official Twitter account. The 12 men and women include the usual mix of independent stars from or former Ring of Honor and Impact talent, who WWE will attempt to polish in their version of superstars and athletes from other sports who will be learning pro wrestling from the ground up. The recognisable names have all been rumoured for some time, so there aren't really any surprises. Yeah, but officially joining the company today are... Trevor Lee Caddle from Impact and Pro Wrestling Guerrera. Karen Yu, Q, May Young Classic, RRH Indies. Albert Hardy Jr. slash ACH, and that he's from uh, Japan or Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor. You got Jermaine Haley or Jonah Rock, who's Australian Indies. 
Rachel Ellering, Generation Wrestler. You got uh, and the Indies and the May Young Classic. Samuel Shaw from Impact. Jeffrey Scott. Oh, Jeffrey slash Scott Parker and Matt Lee slash Shane Matthews of 3.0, and they're from Shikara and the Indies. You got Brendan Vink slash Elliot Sexton, Australian Indies. Nick Comorato from the Indies. Amara Palmer, former Syracuse University football player. And Ricardo Miller, colleague and European pro football player. Yep, hate both of them. Uh, but I, I feel. Well, hang on, I think we've got that. Have we got that on the news? Because there, there seem to be hiring a little couple of more Australians now as well. Will that maybe be the next market they look at? You know, we've got NXT UK. Would Australia one be a good idea? Uh, well, my main name and that, and that is Trevor Lee. I've seen him in uh, Impact Wrestling. I think he's a good good worker, good athlete. And he'll be definitely one to watch from that list. So I've not really, apart from, you know, Rachel Ellery, Karen Q or you. Uh, you know, I've not really heard of many others. No, there's a couple that are going to be a work in progress, a couple can be straight away, and then, like I said, a couple might be ones for the future, but we move on to... And Salvatore Bellimo, who competed in WWE in the 1980s, has passed away from cancer. A family member announced the news Saturday on Twitter, which W confirmed Sunday. He was 67. And WWE is saddened to learn that Salvatore Bellimo has passed away at the age of 67, and Belomo competed in WWE in the 1980s, sharing the ring with everyone from Bob Buckland to Bobby the Brain Heenan. He was also a fixture of the early days of ECW, when it was known as NWA Eastern Championship Wrestling. WWE extends its condolences to Belomo's family and friends. Yeah, so that was WWE's official statement. He competed in WWE from 1983 to 1987, where he was used mostly as a jobber. He also competed in ECW in the 90s, both during a stint where it was known as Eastern Championship Wrestling, and then when it was rebranded Extreme Championship Wrestling. When not competing in the US, Belomo had a successful wrestling career in Europe. A Belgium native... Belomo competed in his home country's Catch Wrestling Association, among other promotions. Yeah, he retired from active competition in 2006, but remained in the business as a mentor and trainer, and he will be missed, but we've got some more death as well. Yes, and that is WWE Hall of Famer Pedro Morales has died at the age of 76. Yeah, WWE.com confirmed Morales' death with an official statement. WWE Santa learned WWE Hall of Famer Pedro Morales has passed away. A native of Culebra Island, Puerto Rico, Morales moved to New York in his youth and debuted in the ring in 1959 at age 17. After establishing his reputation as a fiery competitor on the East Coast, Morales travelled west to territories in Texas and California, where he competed for much of the 1960s. In California, he battled a destroyer in a famous rivalry and formed a popular tag team with Pepper Gomez. WWE extends its condolences to Morales' family, friends and fans. Well, Morales wrestled for numerous promotions throughout his career from 1959 to 1987. He had two prominent runs in WWE from 1970 to 75, Worldwide Wrestling Federation, and from the ni- from 1980 to 87. In 1971, he became the fourth man to hold the WWE Heavyweight Championship by defeating Ivan Koloff. The Puerto Rican superstar held the title for more than two years before losing to Stan Stasiak in December 1973. Morales was also WWE's first Triple Crown winner as a two-time Intercontinental Champion and a Tag Team Champion with Bob Backlund. 
WWE inducted Morales into its Hall of Fame in 1995. He's also inducted into the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2015. Yeah, and an absolute legend and someone, you know, in WWE history that cast a huge shadow and such an important role, like I said, first ever Triple Crown Champion. Uh, move on to the UK, a bit of news here. And I got an email sent to me, and I think sent to a few people, PCW signed 52-week TV deal, Preston City Wrestling. It's on Sky Channel 119 or FreeSat 161. Of course, we try and keep you up to date with all the kind of British stuff going on. Well, PCW are fully joining the Fight Network to produce a fresh weekly episodic wrestling show for TV, not only in the UK, but across the world. The show is professionally produced. Yeah, they taped uh, this weekend in Blackpool Tower Circus. The tickets are available at TicketTaylor.com events PCW. So get them. They should be uh, quite cheap. And also I've heard that there's going to be a few events uh, around, of course. So that's an interesting thing. You know, UK wrestling is growing. And speaking of UK wrestling, uh, our newest feature here on the WWE Network Review is NXT UK. So it's episode 27th, January 23rd, 2019, and we're in Blackpool. Well, Pete Dunne comes to the ring to kick off the show. He boasts about the NXT UK changing British wrestling and about how long he's been champion. Gallus comes out so that Joe Coffey can threaten to take the title from him despite the loss at TakeOver. Well, Walter interrupts, getting a much smaller pop than he did the night before. But, of course, the in-universe is to take place over two weeks later instead of the next night. Mark Coffey and Wolfgang try to attack. The champ and Walter fight them off. Then they have a very awkward stare down. That was not particularly well executed, nor did anything to add what we got at the end of TakeOver anyway. Sid Scala makes what I believe to be the first on-air mention of the World's Collide Tournament in Phoenix, Arizona. Though he doesn't describe what it will be. Five NXT wrestlers versus five NXT UK wrestlers versus five from 205 Live. He says they'll also take three episodes from NXT UK while in Phoenix. Zach Gibson and James Drake walk by, so Scala runs up to congratulate them on winning the tag titles. Gibson is still sore that nobody cared about them before they won the title, so they're not till next week. Oh, wow. So we're going to get three shows to take the finish. That should be uh, exciting. Of course, you want to see the World's Collide Tournament. We had that as a podcast section last week. Uh, we won't ruin it for who won, but let's say James versus Dan was very extreme. Uh, Nina Samuels defeated Lena Austin in our next match. Samuels sort of squashed Austin here. It, it was a squash over and over. It's four minutes, but it was uh, ineffective because this nobody, Austin, got in the way too much offence. Mustache Mountain is upset that they lost at TakeOver, but they're ready to bounce back. Shortly after that, Tony Storm is really stoked to talk about the Mae Young Classic turning out into a badass who would overcome a back injury to win the Women's Championship at TakeOver. Shortly after that, Mustache Mountain are booked into the next week's main event against the European Union. Well, Eddie Dennis defeated Jamie Admet. Well, that didn't make the squash interesting for me because I weren't really impressed with Dennis at TakeOver. It made him a little bit more tolerable to watch this dominant, dominant squash. But after losing to Mastiff, I want to see what Dave's up to and Dennis should go away and kind of maybe work on his look a little bit more. And uh, Jordan Devlin versus Travis Banks went to a double count-out. 
at 13 minutes, 22 seconds. The middle of this match was very boring and the count-out finish wasn't convincing at all, which is a bummer because the beginning and the final few minutes of this before the non-finish were a lot of fun. I really liked when Jordan Devlin hits a Spanish fly from different angles throughout the match. Also like seeing Banks channel Davey Reed, Nigel McGuinness to channel Jimmy Bauer on commentary. I also feel rather confident that they'll have a better match soon as the show ends with the two brawling until the screen fades to black. I mean, this was a mixed bag of an episode and set things up. I'm interested in a second Devlin versus Banks match, Mustache Mountain versus the EU. But it didn't execute all that well on the things that we saw during the show. I'm also not wild about them announcing that three episodes would be taped in Phoenix because I like pretending these events occur from week to week. Oh, well. We'll move on to our next episode. It's episode 28th, January 30th. <laughs> The show starts with a video package recapping the end of NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool when Walter came to the ring and met Pete Dunne face-to-face. The video hypes up Walter's debut for tonight. Our first match is Dave Mastiff versus Jay Melrose. The monster push continues for Mastiff as a couple running senton splashes and a German suplex and then connects with the Into the Void for the 1-2-3. We see replays as Mastiff celebrates his victory inside the ring. Videos are played recapping the sensational tag team match from NXT TakeOver Blackpool. As well documented, Gibson and Drake won the first ever NXT UK Championships. We see a video package hyping WNXT UK superstar Zia Brookside. Zach Gibson and James Drake make their way down to the ring with their new tag team belts. Gibson gets on the mic and introduces himself, followed by Drake saying that they were focused on being the best and getting the titles. He says focusing on the goal is what has brought them the first ever tag team titles. Gibson tells the crowd that their taunts won't take the moment away from them. He says that they are grizzled young veterans of the NXT UK and they'll make the titles get the recognition they deserve. Well, Sid Scala comes out of stage and announces that we travel to Phoenix, Arizona to show the world why NXT UK is the best brand. Scala tells Gibson and Drake that they will defend the titles against only Lorcan and Danny Burch soon in an NXT versus NXT UK match. Boom! <laughs> and the announcers continue hyping up the debut of Walter. And next week, we'll see Leguero and Mark Andrews do battle. So up next, it's Jack Stars versus Walter. So he made quite an impression when he came out and stared down Pete Dunne. How will a man get on <laughs> fans singing along as Walter arrives? And he's already got a gimmick as he's shown up. I mean, what do you think of Walter so far? I think he is going to be the next big thing. He's coming out. I mean, when we first saw him, we weren't sure if it was Vladimir Kozlov ripoff, but we know what he could do in the independent circuit. And he means business here. Let's see how he goes against Jack Stars in this match. So Nigel McGuinness telling us he's like Bruiser Brody or Stan Hansen, and we've talked about these characters before and controversial characters, how hard and stiff they were. And Jack Stars is getting ready for this big Austrian and a Walter Chant, and Walter's here we go. Walter's gonna kill you, Chant. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Walter's gonna kill you. Uh, Jack Stars gets right off the off the blocks there, running towards Walter. With the forearms, big forearms, on but the... they're barely phasing the big man. But he's just chopped Walter. Oh, goes for close up. Oh, <laughs> Stars dodges. <laughs> oh my god! And he's just 
the ring generals picked up stars, threw them on the apron, <laughs> and the fans chanting his entrance. God, you can see the red <laughs> chest of Jack Stars. Oh <laughs> my God, that's one chop. You can see Walter's handprint on his fucking chest. You could read his palm. And oh. Walter's saying, look, come on, you can hit me. And he's not even bothering to defend it. <laughs> and then knee to the midsection. My eyes are watering. Oh my God. Throws him. Oh no. Catches. Jack Stars trying to go through the legs. He just grabs him by his chin. Throws him into the corner. Oh no. Stars with back elbow low. Drop kick. Rocking Walter. But he just sends it back to the corner. Oh. And you thought the Claymore kick was brutal. Oh my God. That was beautiful there. By Walter. As he signaled the fire for the end. Power bomb. <laughs> One. Two. Well, thank you, Jack Stars. That damage was just that one chop. Yeah. That is scary. (laughs) That is sickening. The man's not knocked down. Can anyone even knock him on his feet? That, like, beat him. And if he's got his eyes set on the NXT title, I feel sorry for Pete Dunne. What a fucking matchup that will be. Dan, what are your thoughts on Walter's debut? My chest fucking hurts just watching it. I feel sorry for that poor job up stars. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. And they're going to show a replay of it as well. Here we go. (laughs) 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 Oh, Oh, he killed him. He killed him. Well, we can actually uh, clarify that Walter did stop Jack Starr's heart with that chop. <laughs> and just the fear of Walter, he, it actually brought him back to life Oh, again. my God. That is the craziest thing I think I've seen on a debut. So I, I've never been so intimidated by a man in my life as Walter right now. We shall see what happens with that. Uh, but we've still got a lot to focus on. We see a replay from two weeks ago when Ginny defeated Isidore in a pre-takeover match. We see a video from during the break and apparently Mark Coffey was challenging Walter. But then Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel appeared and told Walter they are close by if he ever needs friends. <laughs> what a fucking great idea by Marcel Barthel and yeah. Fabian Eichner. <laughs> yeah, we're on your side. <laughs> We're friends, yes? Yeah, let the Wookiee win. Just don't chop us. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, up next is Ginny versus Casey Owens. Well, Ginny puts Owens in a signature submission, but Owens is able to escape it. Owens manages to pull Ginny's arm into an armbar on the t- on the ropes. It doesn't save her. Ginny hits the makeover in the one, two, three. Yeah, we see the replays as Ginny poses in the ring. Uh, we see a video from earlier today where Rhea Ripley visited Johnny St. and Sis Scala. She demands that she gets an ex-UK Women's Championship when an ex-UK travels to Phoenix. He makes it official. Three weeks from now, it's Tony Storm versus Rhea Ripley for the NXT UK Women's Championship. And the tweet just simply read, in three weeks, at Tony Storm, we'll defend the hashtag NXT UK hashtag Women's Championship in a rematch against at Rhea Ripley. That's that Mark Coffey will face Walter in next week's NXT UK main event. 
Rest in peace, Mark <laughs> Coffey's chest. My God. But the main event tonight is Mustache Mountain versus Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel. Yeah, probably the most intelligent tag team, Eichner and Barthel now. But going against Mustache Mountain, and they need to bounce back, coming off a, a huge defeat at the hands of the Grizzled Young Vets. You know, they need to show that they're not here to put people over, have a lot of success for Mustache Mountain. But I, I'm becoming fans of the, the EU connection. We've seen him recently, and, you know, I think they're bringing it to me. What are your thoughts on these two teams? Uh, both of them are very highly talented. Um, I, I do think Mustache Mountain, they are very good when they're challenging. Yes, yeah. Um, but, you know, Marcel, Barfell and Fabian Eichner, they're definitely going to be one to watch in the future. Yeah, I think so. It's Trent Seven. Get rid of It's Tyler Bate. He's shown what he can do. Well, I don't think you will be able to out-wrestle Tyler Bate, even if you have got that kind of German style that Barthel has. Indeed, I think they're... Uh... They need Walter's alliance as well. That'll make a hell of a six-man tag match. The EU connection and Walter against uh, British Strong Style. It, would, it actually well, I didn't even think about it. I, I can't. I don't know if Walter's a hill, but do you know what I mean? I, I think we've we've done. It's going to be such an interesting match. But then you don't know if Dunn's a face or a hill. Yeah, I know. And the Mustache Mountain. You know, definitely Mustache Mountain. The kind of faces at this moment. And they have got an alliance with Pete Dunn, but. You know, Danny just never smiles and he's like a poker face. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to talk about other people. I don't want to do a double stubby and talk about other people whilst this match is taking place. But with Walter and Pete Dunn, there's two guys who do what they want when they fucking want. And when they face off for each other, it's it's kind of going to be, you know, it, it, it's it, it's going to be a war because they don't, they're not going to back down from each other, it seems. You know, not going to be intimidated by each other. You know, Pete Dunn's been the champion for over 600 days now. You know, and, and Walter's come in and, well, he killed Jack Stars, like I said, stopped his heart for at least five minutes. At least seven minutes. Uh, but they brought back at the end of it. But we're going to see if Mustache Mountain has still got it in them because they need to win here tonight to, to, to challenge the winners. And, and again, great news that the tag team champions are going to be defending against uh, Lorkin and Birch. I mean, they could, really, in reality, win the titles and still defend them here. And I think that would work out well for them. Indeed, yes. And now Bate tags in. What's up, my love? Now Bate tags in Trent Seven. Fell's been in there. Eichner's not had a tag yet. And as soon as I say that, Eichner gets the tag in, and it's the Italian stallion going against Trent Seven. Yeah, the Dudley native, and you know who you know Dudley or Vienna. You know if you're going to pick not Vienna, it, Dudley or Venice. If you're going to pick between the two, you know what would you? Pick? I know what I would pick. I'd pick Dudley. I'd pick the industrial strength of Dudley. Yes, of course Dudley. I would. Dudley, can't I? I'll come from Birmingham. <laughs> well, Eichner in. And he's going to look to put away Trent Seven. What a huge victory it would be for the EU connection. But a hip toss by Trent Seven. Well, is this a number one contenders match after the uh, Grizzled Young Vets have faced the Brit Am connection? Well, this is the thing. Has Mustache Mountain got enough merit for that? Do they go to the back of the line? Or are they next in line for the tag team titles? Well, you know, they're, they're going to try and fight their way up. I'm, I'm sure Gallus are going to try and get their finger in the pie as well somewhere. Well, I think, you know, with Mark Coffee looking to become, you know, tr um, Walter's, Walter's next bitch. victim. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't know how much Gallus has got going for him. Uh, but, you know, we, we shall see with that. And Bate now and Eichner. Eichner's trying to tie Bate up, but Bate's just flipping and rolling around trying to escape the move. 
eventually does, but gets sent headfirst into the turnbuckle, and now uh, Marcel gets a... And they are two young studs here, but Bate is still a young man, and he will not back down from a challenge. You see how well he did in the World's Collide tournament. Dodges a leapfrog. Tag in. Eichner's got the blind tag. Jack Gallagher, oh, gets caught in a pop-up shoulder breaker. Oh, my word. Well, Bate was up in his lights then. And in the corner, I mean, I wonder if anybody's got words, you know, having words in the ears of this young team here, because they're doing all the right things. Cutting off the ring at the moment, keeping Bate wrong side of town. Oh, look, and Birch, I think they've got their... The bread buttered really well because you know they've also got the they've got American half of them, which means they can battle in NXT, and then they've got the uh, English half, where they could battle in uh, NXT UK. Yeah, no, I've even put the Grizzly Young Vets into it. I would say any of the tag teams in NXT UK could go to NXT and be in the tag team division right now. I, I think, the oh, ta- especially right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the tag team division in NXT maybe is not as strong as it has been, and I think what we're seeing here, you know, if we include Lorcan and Birch into it. I think most of like, these four teams could have a cracking matches together. And Bate trying to fight out the corner of EU now. Well, he's trying to leave the EU. It <laughs> is. is trying to get Brexit to seven. Oh, no. Gets caught, but rolls through. Gets oh. caught with a uppercut, though. Upper what? Going for the cover, but Bate managing to kick out. Uh-huh. And now Barthel just straight back to the submission. Mustache Mountain chant going through the crowd. I just think of these really weird camera angles. There was one of a like the cameraman who was walking up the aisle. You see you'll just the empty the kind of shit there, don't you? Yeah. Uh, oh, I can I just toy him with Tyler Bate. Oh, gets a chop, but that doesn't ring quite as loud as Walters does. Well, back suplex to Bate, and now he's got legs hooked in. He's just grinding away at Tyler. And Bate somehow picking Eichner up, even though he's caught in a submission. Trying to power out of it. Delivers a scoop slam. Can, can he get across to tag in Trent Seven? Well, he's got a little bit of separation, but Eitner's got to Barthel. Oh, just short. Oh, but Bate dodging, getting under. Leaps across, tags in Trent Seven, who is no longer wearing that big heavy knee brace. No, so he's covered and the, the husky gentleman catching him with a DDT. Cutting off Eitner before he gets into the ring. And now seven building momentum. Choose chop to Barthel. Oh, and Eichner inadvertently kicks his tag team partner in the head. And Eichner's caught with a power bomb. Yeah, and then oh my god, big back suplex picking him up again. Seven with a slam. One, two. Oh, oh. Marcel managing to kick out. Oh, and now the Trent Seven Army as the fans chant, looking to put Marcel away, but he's blocking both men. Tags in night now. Seven ducks the clothesline attempt. Now they're going to set him up. Here comes Bate, but oh! Well, looking for his patented ring rope bounce, but gets caught with a kick to the head from Barcel. Eitner, German suplex, seven out of the ring. Marcel steps up to Bate. Oh, but Bate just managing to kick out. Ah, after the roll-up by Eitner, he can't believe it. And Eitner saying that Bate is going to put him away. Trying to pick him up. That suplex. But oh, no. Marcel in. Oh, Bate managing to escape. And again, Eichner takes out Marcel. Tags in Trent Seven. Got a big bait and switch. And now here goes Bate. Oh, flying over the top rope. And now it's Seven with a forearm. He's going to set him up. Ripcord. Rip Lariat turns him inside out. One, One 
two. Oh, no. Eichner managing to kick out. Oh. Uh-huh. Well, Seven is shocked that he can put Eichner away, but I think that shows Fabian's toughness. All four guys here putting on an exhibition for wrestling. This is what tag team wrestling is all about. And now Seven trying to pick up Eitner. Tags in Barcel. Oh my god, a palm strike. Takes bait out with the uppercut. Upper what? And now double team to Seven. Double du- Irish whip. Ducks one but gets caught by Eichner. Spine buster and then a kick by Marcel. One, two. No. Oh, but Trent managing to get the shoulder up at two. Two. Close, no cigar now. Barthel, I think, is going to put the finishing touches on Trent Seven. Seven nearly dead weight now. Trying to fight out. Hits a stunner! Stunner! Oh, Eichner in, but so is Bate. Jumps over the top rope. Oh, oh, high back body drop nearly lands on his feet. Seven gets taken out. And Bate beautiful on Marcel there with a knee in the corner, but oh... Gets caught on the top. Throws him in. Eitner catches him. Oh, brain buster suplex. Trent Seven sends Barcel out the ring. To, oh. And makes the save in the tag match as well. <laughs> what a match this has been. Just shows what tag team wrestling can do. Well, it's not governed by Vince McMahon. You can tell this is being taped in America because the chants aren't that innovative as they are over in the UK. No, it's in Blackpool. Oh, all right then. Discredit that last comment. I almost confused our Brits with them hicks. Oh, now Marcel gets the tag in. Going to the, to the top, but can't hold him down. Oh, frog splashed. Missed. Bate looking for the tag, but Marcel's caught him. Bate lands on his feet. <laughs> oh, double overhead heel kick. Takes out both members. Tags in Trent Seven. And now Seven's got hold of Marcel. Here comes Bate. Full Nelson Lariat. One, two, two three. three. And Mustache Mountain gets the victory. Well, Mustache Mountain win. A fantastic match, Dan. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it was action-packed from the start all the way through. Uh, yeah, definitely a great match. Yeah, I mean, awesome. I mean, Eichner and Marcel, even though they're two young guys, definitely showing... They can bring it here in NXT and NXT UK. Mustache Mountain get the victory that they most definitely need in this one to, to move up. But I think the EU lose nothing in, in, in loss here, you know, looking good. And what a great episode it been after last week's kind of mixed bag. Now we're back when we've seen Walter's debut and, of course, Mustache Mountain winning in the main event. But we move on on our next episode, February 6th, episode 29. Yes, and our first match was Liguero and he defeated Mandros. And in an explosive opening matchup between two of NXT UK's elite high flyers, Liguero and Mandrews each unleashed a barrage of high-impact offence that took both competitors to the limit. The Leo Dentian luchador claimed a huge victory when he lifted his knees to block his opponent's shooting star press attempt and quickly followed up with a C4L off the top ropes. So Zia Brookside defeated Candy Floss in a hard-fought contest between two incredible athletes. Second-generation grappler Zia Brookside overcame the aggressive efforts of Candy Floss to score a very first NXT UK singles victory with the Brooksy Bomb, a variation of the iconoclasm finishing manoeuvre used by legendary father Robbie Brookside. 
However, the post-match display of good sportsmanship between the two opponents was quickly cut short by an irate Rhea Ripley, who took out Brookside and Floss with a vicious assault. Then, when NXT UK Women's Champion Tony Storm entered the fray, the mosh pit kid used Brookside to get the drop on a title holder as well, taking out Storm with a fierce kick before diving her into the canvas, or driving her into the canvas. Having already petitioned NXT UK General Manager Johnny Saint for a rematch against Storm, Ripley made a def- definitive statement that she's coming for her title. Well, Joseph Connors defeated Wild Boar Mike Hitchman. Frustrated over not being part of NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool, Joseph Connors brought the full weight of his dark, very game Mike Hitchman, powerbombing his opponent off the top turnbuckle and hitting Don't Look Down for the free count. When Joe Coffey defeated Ashton Smith, looking to reaffirm that NXT UK still is kingdom, Gallus Joe Coffey rebounded from his NXT TakeOver UK Blackpool defeat to UK champion Pete Dunn with win over Ashton Smith in dominant fashion. After stopping Smith in his tracks by catching his opponent in midair to hit the German suplex, Coffey finished him off with all the best for the Bells. And our main event is Walter versus Mark Coffey. With Joe Coffey's victory over Ashton Smith still fresh in the books, Gallus Retribution-minded Mark Coffey emerged for NXT UK's main event, looking to make Walter pay for stealing his brother's spotlight, NXT UK takeover Blackpool. The Austrian anomaly simply would not have it following in the footsteps of what Nigel McGuinness called the most the most impressive ring debut in NXT UK one week ago. Walter one of his infamous chops right at the start <laughs> of the match. So here we go. Walter versus Mark Coffey. Gallus is stepping up and they don't stand a chance. Walter's been so impressive as they sing his theme song. Both men lock up. Coffee straight to the back of Walter. Oh, and he oh. chopped Walter. Oh, oh big shit. mistake, Mark. Uh, oh, shit. Oh, misses a chop. And now Mark going to work. Oh, <laughs> oh man down. Man down. The referee's throwing up the X symbol. Oh, no. And now he's got Mark Coffee. No, please don't. Oh, and a second clubbing blow to the chest as Mark Coffey tries to escape in the ring. Walter lines him up for a third. He weren't hanging about then. Made sure he got out of the ring. When that chest might be caved in. But Mark's still trying to fight back. He certainly is a lot bigger than uh, Jack Stars, who Walter just completely steamrolled last week. He's a big man, and he just sent Walter into the barricade and moved it about four inches. At least six. Now throws him in. <laughs> For fucking hell. Throws him, <coughs> Willie. Uh, throws him back in. And now going to work on Walter in the corner. There's more offense than Jack Stars had. Uppercut knocking him down to one knee. We've not seen him knocked down completely yet. And Coffey trying to maybe get submission in, but Walter blocking it. And now Coffey's stretching Walter. And the fans all singing along to uh, Walter's theme tune. But Mark Coffey's uh, having none of it. He wants to get a bit of retribution for the uh, Gallus shit show that they had a few weeks ago. Yeah, well, let's not forget what happened at TakeOver with Walter laying out his brother Joe. So they said there is going to be bad blood there. And Joe wants another shot. And with Walter standing in his way, he's hoping maybe his brother can wear him down. It's the most punishment we've seen Walter taking. But I'd say he's not taking a lot of punishment at the moment. He's just trying to get out of submission. 
As he tries to turn it around, eventually does, and now he's got the pressure on Mark Coffey. And now he gets to the rope to break it. Not a clean break from Mark, though, as he elbows Walter in the jaw. Well, that's the way you've got to take the big man down. Trying to work on him that way. And you can see the welting on Walter's chest from the slap. Fortunately for Mark Coffey, he's got a few hairs on his chest, so uh, you can't see the bleeding chest of his. But he's going to definitely feel it. He tries to Irish whip Walter, but just can't move him. She's slowly trying to wear him down. Now Irish whip but reversed. Oh. Tries a lariat on Walter, who defiant. Says, come on, give me some more. And Walter's saying, you want to play us play? And another big clothesline. Calling him out. And come on. And you can hear the impact. And Walter's not even flinching. Oh, bone to bone, and then Mark goes low. Here he comes running in. Oh, blocks the offence from Coffey. Hits him with a German <laughs> suplex. And everything Walter does looks vicious. Be a huge man. <laughs> oh my God, big boot to the face. <clears throat> and Walter slaps the rope and the rope just tapped out. Oh! <laughs> Mark Coffey just laid <laughs> up rope. And Walter slaps him and then just puts his foot under the chin for good measure. Mark just crumbles to the mats below. You heard it here first. Someone's going to tap out to a chest chop from Walter. Well, Mark Coffey, right, he's going to get laid out in the apron again. As we saw last week. And now the ring general looking to end things. Oh! <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Mark Coffey. Two clubbing blows down. And now he's trying to get maybe a sleeper in, but Mark's got the arm. Trying to break it. Hyper extending the shoulder now. And then snapping it over his shoulder. Big forearm to the face. And a huge chop to the chest, but can't keep Walter down. Now here comes Mark. Clothesline. Walter bounces off the ropes. Mark ducks one. Kicks Walter off his feet. Goes for a cover. Two. Oh, oh but Walter managing to kick out. Ah. First time he's been knocked off his feet. Time. Someone's got two against him. Two. Mark Coffey is bringing it. Oh, he's trying to pick up the slam water. Oh. oh. Chop, to chop to the back <laughs> and he locks in that sleeper hold. Uh, Coffey, though, backing Walter up into the corner, managing to break free. You've got to be impressed by that. Oh. A seated drop kick as well. It just nips up and now he's got Mark Coffey. A huge powerbomb. One, One, two, three. Well, Walter wins there. Very impressive. Dan, what are your thoughts on that match? I would personally say that Walter wasn't even challenged too much there. I suppose he got knocked off his feet, though. I didn't even think that was going to happen. But, you know, Mark Coffey looked all right, but Walter just kind of, it's like swatting away a fly in that way. It'd be interesting to see what happens next for Walter. Anyway, move on to episode 30, February 13th. NXT UK Women's Champion Tony Storm ignited a brawl with Rhea Ripley. The NXT UK Women's Champion Tony Storm kicked off the latest episode of NXT UK by, take, by taking issue with Rhea Ripley for her recent controversial tactics, describing her adversary as a bully. The fighting title holder made it clear that she will gladly take the mosh pit kid 
down again. Well, Ripley soon interrupted to insist that Storm's victory over at NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool was nothing more than luck for expounding on how she is sick and tired of people comparing her to the current title holder instead the other way around. No longer interested in merely trading words, Storm laid into her foe and lit the fuse on a brawl until Ripley decided to back away and save her aggression for their rematch. Our next match, Nandar defeated Jordan Devlin. Fair play to that. Well, Noam Dar returned to NXT UK to engage Jordan Devlin in an explosive showdown and Devlin gained advantage when the Scottish supernova hurt his ankle by inadvertently kicking the steel steps. Smelling blood in the wall to the Irish ace looked to stomp his opponent's injured appendage into the unforgiving steel, but Travis Banks emerged to make sure Dar didn't suffer the same fate that he did. Back in the ring when Devlin illegally attempted to use the ropes to pick up the pinfall, the Kiwi buzzsaw interceded again to prevent the free count. Though the Irish superstar knocked him off the apron in response, the disruption was enough for Dar to pick up the quick pin. And when an rate, Devlin attacked his opponent from behind in the aftermath. Banks re-engaged his adversary and quickly ignited a fierce post-match brawl between the two bitter adversaries. So it is not over yet between Devlin and Banks. And Ginny defeating Mia Yim. And just moments after the announcement that NXT UK Women's Champion Tony Storm will battle Rao Ripley in a title rematch on February the 20th edition of NXT UK... Dangerous contender Ginny went to war on the inner swag of NXT's explosive Mia Yim. Although the HBIC drove the fashionista into the turnbuckle with wicked German suplex in the final moments, Ginny escaped from the ring before her opponent could follow her up. Ginny then caught Yim with a solid kick as Prey was pursuing her back into the square circle and used the ropes to help assure her of the free count. And WWE United Kingdom champion Pete Dunne squares off against Wolfgang. So we've seen Walter this past couple of weeks, and yeah, he's been impressive. We've seen Joe Coffey win, but what of the champ Pete Dunne after a hellacious effort at NXT TakeOver Blackpool? He's going to be in action against a member of Gallus here tonight. Do you think Dunne's been watching Walter closely? He most definitely has, yes. But if he doesn't come around style chest protector when they finally have a match, he's stupid. Well, done. He's <laughs> ready to fight here. He won't back down for a challenge. Nearly 650 days as champion. Unbelievable. Who would have predicted it when he had first won how successful Pete Dunn would be? He's going to have a big job on his hands now. Well, he's here ready for action. He's not backing down for Wolfgang. Wolfgang... Big show of disrespect, throwing his jacket at Pete Dunn. Well, he had a go in Wolfgang, trying to work the arm of Dunn. But the way he can get out of uh, moves, I don't think that's a great idea. He just gets out of it and pushes down Wolfgang. He, he just can't explain how great Pete Dunn's been this past, you know, 600 days. Ever since he's come in to WWE, anybody, you know, never knew him, seeing him, what he was like in the UK tournament as well, being great, you know, ended up losing in the final there. Wrenches Wolfgang down by just putting his arm backwards. Gets him down to the back mat. But Wolfgang doing everything he can to escape Pete Dunne's onslaught. And perhaps frustrate the champion. I think it's the same place as the Worlds Collide thing was. Well, Wolfgang going outside. And Mark Tyler's going outside. Oh, you f- well, Wolfgang going to take his time. Going outside. Not going to rush in. Or as he steps through the ropes, he just immediately clocks Pete Dunne. With a huge elbow to the jaw. Wolfgang doesn't want any of that after the huge clothesline. Now he's got the arm. Irish Rip reversed. Pete manages to get his foot up and kicks Wolfgang away. 
Oh, oh drop kick straight to the left knee of Wolfgang. And Dunn got his leg caught by a right hand. And then rolls right through. Again, Wolfgang managing to get to the bottom rope to break it. Pete Dunn just kicks the hand that was grasping the rope, though. Well, Dunn's just so vicious. <coughs> you don't get bored with a dumb match, how good he is. Oh, my word. And Wolfgang sending Pete Dunn out all the way to the outside. And Wolfgang now has got the advantage on the outside, throwing Dunn back in. Uh, Pete goes straight for the arm. A bit of joint manipulation. Oh! oh. Stomps on the back of Wolfgang's elbow as his hand was on the mat. And now Wolfgang in all sorts of trouble because Dunn's got the fingers. And he's got the whole weight of Pete Dunn to contest as well as having his fingers bent back. But he powers Pete Dunn up, hangs him up over the top rope. Wolfgang goes for a cover but Dunn managing to kick out. And uh-huh. now he's fighting his way back into this match. Oh, just stomping on the leg of Wolfgang. Well, Wolfgang, and what Pete Dunn says so well as well. The fact is, Wolfgang can't get any real offence in. He gets maybe one or two moves, and then he gets cut off straight away by Pete Dunn. You don't get in control over Dunn that often, and if you do, it's not for that long. And this is what Pete, why Pete maybe has been so successful, because he's always in the match. There's not times where he's really, really out of it. There's Wolfgang now trying to rake the eyes. Mark Tyler's just caught. Here comes Wolfgang, but Dunn moves with a splash. Throws him against the ropes, exploding German suplex. And now Pete Dunn trying to get back into this one now. Got a little bit of separation. And now rights and lefts by Pete Dunn. Just wearing out Wolfgang. Irish rip reversing. Dunn using the second turnbuckle to spring off. Catch him with a step up in Seguri. And now he's got Wolfgang. But no, Wolfgang goes behind. German suplex. Standing switch. Goes for the suplex. But Dunn lands on his feet and kicks Wolfgang to the back of the head. And now Dunn picking up Wolfgang. Turns him inside out of a suplex. One, two... Oh. oh, but Wolfgang managing to kick out. Oh. Oh, my God. Dunn's got the hand twisted again. Just stomping ahead of Wolfgang. It's just vicious. He's got a triangle locked in. And Elbow that... in the head of Wolfgang. And Wolfgang. He's just training for Pete Dunn. Maybe going against bigger opponents and seeing what he can do. And Wolfgang managing to power up Pete Dunn. Oh, buckle bomb. <coughs> And now Wolfgang again building up some momentum. It just splashes Pete Dunn. And now got Dunn up. Oh! It's like an inverted suplex. One, two. Oh! But Dunn managing to get the shoulder up at two. Two. Well, that was Wolfgang now. I don't know if he's legging anything like that. Pressed down with the body weight. You're not going to beat Pete Dunn that easy. But is Wolfgang going up to look to use that Sunton bomb? Wolfgang taking his time. Pete Dunn nipping up, running in Seguri there, knocks Wolfgang out. And now Dunn and Wolfgang all the way up. Oh! Huge superplex to Wolfgang. Pete can't capitalise on it though. You've got to think the wear and tear of Pete Dunn. He hasn't had a day off in 600 days, over, you know, 650 days, like you're saying. With the amount of you know injuries he might have picked up along the way, he's definitely not 100%. But if we give it all, we always give it 100%. Wolfgang trying to hold on to the leg of Dunn. Double foot stomp to the hand of Wolfgang. Follows up with a kick to the head. And now he's got the hand again. Wolfgang managing to break the grip of Dunn, though. 
Well, big forearm by Wolfram, but done responsibly in security. Oh, Wolf then inside, turning Dunn inside out of a clothesline, calling for the end. Picking up Pete Dunn. Oh! Double knees to the gut. Can't quite get across quick enough for a cover, though. Well, he's struggling with the leg. Now he's going to hook the leg. But Dunn managing to kick out. Ah. Wolfgang's carrying injuries. It's not good news. Is he looking to go up? And now here comes Wolfgang with a howling. No, Pete dodges it. Catches the arm. Oh, and twisted it. Got the arm break in. Wolfgang's tapping out. And Pete Dunn successful yet again. My God, and Dunn is just so impressive. Getting it taken out of him, but using, again, the hand, the submission, he's made two members of Gallus tap out with that. And even with Walter, you think, yeah, he can chop hard, but how is he going to chop if he can't use his hand? Dunn, impressive. Dan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, hugely impressive. And Dunn just goes from strength to strength. You see him throughout the majority of this match. He was on the beating end of uh, Wolfgang. Um, but still manages to come through a victorious. Yeah, and fantastic stuff there. NXT UK this month has been great, you know, when we looked about the matches, the tag team match between Mustache Mountain and the EU has been spot on. Uh, <clears throat> also, Walter's debut as well, and even Pete Dunn there. What have you thought of NXT UK this month? It's been absolutely good, yeah. You know, it's had its highs and its lows, and I think the highs have been out of the way and the lows. We've seen great tag team matches. The... Uh, EU connection going against um, Mustache Mountain. We've seen Walter's debut and his impressive chop. And yeah, you know, it is certainly building towards the next few weeks, even like the Women's Championship as well. Exactly. We know that's in a couple of weeks' time. Tony Storm versus Ray Ripley. It should be great. And of course, Noam Dar uh, getting a big win over Jordan Devlin. And that storyline continues as well. Yeah, I think NXT UK has been great. It'd be nice to know when the next takeover is. So like you said, you actually got stage to build upon. But move on from that and talk about another wrestling organisation. AEW. And it's it's been the wrestling organisation that's been on everyone's lips for the past three months now. And it's been an exciting month or so for wrestling fans who like to keep up with contracts and interpromotional manoeuvring. AEW is a new player with a billionaire's backing in the North American wrestling scene. Ring of Honor replenishes their roster with popular performers from the Indies and Mexico and in sports entertainment land, Dean Ambrose and Hideo Itami or Kenta gave notice to WWE with Ambrose's impending departure even acknowledged by the company. Well, according to sources, this led to W officials meeting with talents whose deals are set to expire in the next year or two, seeking to lock them down into new deals. Backstage at this week's Smackdown. Backstage at least we Smackdown. There's no word so far on exactly who these were. They could include AJ Styles, Shinsuke fucking Nakamura, Paige, Carl Anson and Luke Gallows, whose contracts were up in 2019. Other W talented contracts by this year include Mauro Ronaldo and Jim Ross, and Brock Lesnar's contract negotiations are ongoing. Well, none of these wrestlers have given strong hints that they're interested in leaving WWE. Styles reportedly wants to reduce WWE's schedule to spend more time with his family. Paige has been off TV, but has been promoting her biopic with The Rock. Gallows and Anderson seem to be bringing back their pre-WWE podcast, but haven't expressed dissatisfaction with their position in the company. Nakamura tends to be more cryptic on social media and elsewhere, with the closest thing someone could point to as evidence, he might be leaving his end-of-the-year message and tweet of WCW after Smackdown, on which he lost the United States Championship to R-Truth. 
Well, All Elite Wrestling held their uh, a new ticket rally at the MGM Grand Pool Complex, and it did not disappoint. Slightly uh, before the rally got started, it was confirmed that legendary Mexican promotion AAA would have a partnership with AEW going forward. They joined OWE Oriental Wrestling Entertainment as partners for the Upstart promotion. The rally opener is coming out to confirm he will be at Double or Nothing and has officially signed. It was noted that this was the work of CBO Brandy Rhodes. As partly of the aforementioned partnership with AAA, Cody Rhodes brought out Sammy Guerra. Guerra is the current AAA Cruiserweight Champion and he confirmed he'll be working for AEW and will be at Double or Nothing. Hangman would come out and cut a promo before being interrupted by Pac via satellite. Pac cut a promo on page and teased the match between the two. Page had a few more words to say before he left. The Young Bucks would come out and reveal, as expected, that the best friends would be coming to their promotion. Chucky T and Trent Beretta came out for a quick promo. After the best friends left, the Young Bucks teased leaving before the Lucha Bros music hit. Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix made their way out to the stage. They attacked and laid out the Young Bucks and said they'll prove they're the best tag team in the world. Randy Rose would come out next after a quick birthday shout out to her brother Jason. Rose got down to business. She revealed that Yuki's that Yuki Sakazaki and Aya Kong would be at double or nothing, but couldn't make it to the rally. Rhodes wasn't done there. She announced the signing of Kylie Ray and soon after Nyla Rose. The two women had a brief interaction with Rhodes pulling them apart. At this point, Excalibur brought out SoCo Uncensored. They revealed that they have an after-party called SCU All Night hosted by themselves following Double or Nothing. SCU and Excalibur would show a package for OWE and introduce members of OWE management to the live audience. Of these three men is the legendary Shima, a man Christopher Daniels of uh, SCU is very familiar with. Daniels laid out a free versus free challenge for double or nothing. Shima and two of OWE's best versus SCU. As the rally appeared to be wrapping up, Kenny Omega was finally confirmed to be joining AEW. In fact, the nameplate for Omega lists him as executive vice. <laughs> what? Listed him as executive vice president, despite Omega claiming in his speech that he signed his contract early in the morning. As Omega prepared to send off the crowd for the night, Chris Jericho made his way down to the stage. He and Omega had a stare-off. It resulted in a full-out brawl as a portion of the staff poolside was forced to separate the two. Omega gave a classic end-of-the-night spill, thanked the fans, and the rally ended. So we've got some confirmed slashed teased signings. Yes, so this is all what happened at the rally. So we've got Sonny Kiss. Sammy Guevara. Chucky T. Trent Beretta. Fenix. Phoenix. Phoenix. Pentagon Jr. Yuka Sakazaki. Asia Kong. Aya. Aya Kong. Kylie Ray. Nyla Rose. Excalibur. Shima. Kenny Omega. And uh, the confirmed slash teased matches are as follows. Yeah, Hangman Page versus Pac, possibly for the AEW World Championship. The Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks. Kylie Ray versus Nyla Rose. Shima and two of OWE wrestlers versus SoCal Uncensored. And, of course, Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. Well, the latest episode of Being Elite is titled Alpha and Omega, so it confirms what is likely the main event for All Elite Double or Nothing pay-per-view on May 25th in Las Vegas, and it isn't shocking. Well, Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega joins Hangman Page and Pac as the two officially announced matches for the card. Both were set up at last Thursday's ticket announcement party, along with two and three others. 
They are only awaiting similar confirmation from the new company. Well, the bigger news is probably the simultaneous release of the seating chart for Double or Nothing. Tickets are available via pre-sale on February 11th and go on sale to the general public on Wednesday, February 13th. Given how quickly all in sold out, the pre-sale sign-up for this event broke the website for a time last Thursday. These tickets probably won't last long. They are now at Ragely Price will help too, both with sales and the fans' first image AEW is cultivating. They're not outrageously priced. Well, for those not on the pre-sale list and who don't want to enlarge that image, the ticket prices range from $36.70 to $211.10. Yes, so, I mean, the, the tickets were on sale. Uh, Batista has discussed the potential return for WWE for WrestleMania 35, according to Pro Wrestling Sheet. It was reported that the odds of the Guardians of the Galaxy actor coming back to WWE this spring are 50-50 and that he's also talked with All Elite Wrestling about possibly joining the new promotion. Yeah, Batista's last W match was at Payback 2014 when he teamed with Triple H and Randy Orton and lost to the Shield. The following night in Raw, he quit WWE and Seth Rollins turned on Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns to align with the game and the Viper, so we shall see about that. It's been a smooth sailing kind of day for All Elite Wrestling. The startup backed by billionaire Shahid Khan and run by his son, Tyrody Rhodes, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. The online pre-sale of tickets for the first pay-per-view event made Double Enough. It wasn't without some hiccups, but the reason folks couldn't purchase tickets or didn't get their passwords in advance likely has to do with how high demand it was. We don't know for sure what the pre-sale allotment was, but however many seats it was, they're all gone. AEW wants to continue to troubleshoot this process. The pre-sale was meant to... Uh, com- stop complaints about all in tickets being raided by scalpers and ticket brokers before fans could get them, but they're clearly sending something people want. Well, remaining seats will likely sell out quickly when they go on sale to the general public on Wednesday, February 13th too. Yes, it sold out in four minutes, uh, the general sale, so they're, they're all in, not, is it all of it? Double or nothing, is it called? Yeah. So double or nothing is sold out. So AEW there, Dan, will you be interested in watching the pay-per-view itself? Are you excited for the event? Um, it has some potential. I mean, um, you know, new is, is good. You know, I did quite like the idea of them at the rally, like, you know, those kind of starting feuds and, you know, building rivalries quite early on as well. Uh, it will be interesting to keep an eye on. So you, you watch the event? Possibly not, no. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing, isn't it? Because I'm excited about it, but it needs to give me something that I'm like, okay, that's going to make me watch. And we've already seen Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega. Uh, and, you know, don't get me wrong, I love the Young Bucks and stuff like this, but it needs to give me a little bit of something else. We're moving on to AEW, and uh, during a recent interview with TalkSport, a Christian had uh, thoughts and views about whether you should kind of stay or go when it came to WWE or AEW. Yeah, I would say. And what did he say, Dan? I would say I would never want to steer anyone in a certain direction. If they asked me for certain advice, I would tell them. I would put it on myself. What I needed to do what I needed to do was I need to take a chance on myself. I needed to bet on myself. And if you're willing to bet on yourself, then sometimes it works out. And if you believe in yourself, that will be the case. And it's interesting that Christian is talking about it, especially when AEW coming up. He most famously moved to TNA. You know, let his, his, his contract expired and he moved across. He became uh, the NWA world champion over there, of course, TNA champion. Uh, and, and people may be asked, was that the best move for him when he came back? Did he really have success? I feel if Christian hadn't gone away, he would never have won a world title when he did come back, even though it was only for a short amount of time. I think at that time, when he's feuding with Cena, with Jericho involved, the crowd would get behind him and W. 
who dropped the ball and he realised. And I think there may be a lot of talent who are looking at that now and going, can we have a chance in AEW to maybe go away, just build our name back a little bit and, you know, eventually come back to W, just be a bigger star, you know. So I think that's good advice from Christian, you know. But we move on to NXT and we've got a bit of NXT news before we, we start the update. And Triple H has mapped out new fronts in his plans for global domination. Yes, Triple H shared his vision of a global domination developmental system for WWE and the United Kingdom Performance Centre. Because they've signed, like I said earlier, a few Australian guys. Maybe an Australian one would make sense. When you look at the map, Dan, it looks a bit scary when you think, but where, where do you think it's going to come next then? I think, yeah, around India area probably be the next one. Is it too much to have so many performance centres around the world or is it a good idea? No, you know, it is better for accessibility because, you know, if you wanted to go to a WWE Performance Centre, you had to travel all the way to America. And now, you know, we've got one in the same country as us, so, you know, we'd have to drive, what, four hours, five hours? Whereas, you know, before it would have to be an eight-hour flight, you know, as well as the train uh, plane tickets, as well as hotel and accommodation and so on and so forth. And if there's one closer to you, then, you know, it would be all the better for accessibility yeah i think without a doubt you know uh so we'll when it comes to that but triple h has obviously got a long-term plan anyway move on to nxt news and w has posted footage of a locker room fight that broke out earlier today at the performance center in orlando the fight involved the mma horsewomen shania basler marina shafir and jessamine joe confronting mia yim mj jenkins jesse elaban and Lacey lane well you can see the clip online but you can got give credit to the folks at nxt for how they use social media to advance storylines because it seems like breaking news you know and uh you kind of you know get surprised with it and again nxt gets some more breaking news as well yes uh Wait, is Cassius Ono really leaving WWE NXT? Well, this is the thing we've seen. They've shown a video now of him packing his bags and leaving. Is it time for him to go? I don't know. But again, it's another by NXT. And I think that's what they do better than anything else. And we talk about NXT, the top man in NXT, Dan. Yes, Tommaso Ciampa reaches a milestone. The WWE NXT champion, Tommaso Ciampa, reached a cool WWE milestone this week as he has now held the strap for more than 200 days. The top star on the yellow brand took to his official Twitter account in order to celebrate the milestone when he posted his tweet. And it was basically about um, me and Goldie. We've been together now for 200 days. Yeah. It was uh, Valentine's Day, so it was kind of a sweet tweet well, exactly. to his loved one. Everybody sends sweet tweets to their loved ones around uh, this time of year. But that was quick news. Uh, talking about NXT, some Velveteen Dream treats that are critical WWE and they might be deleted soon. He's had a pattern of uh, tweeting edgy or controversial things and then deleting them. If it was the only thing he did to get his name in the pro wrestling conversation, you roll your eyes. But since it's only one of many tools in the 23-year-old's kit, you've got to recognise the skills. Well, it's even easier to do when he uses a trick to say things a lot of fans are thinking, in which he did today when reacting to WWE Instagram account asking which Hall of Famer should follow in Jeff Jarrett. That's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T's footsteps and return to the company's ring. So W tweeted, pick a W Hall of Famer who should return to the ring. You had Goldberg. Razor Ramon. Mark Henry. Ric Flair. Booker T. Bret Hart. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Ho! And Stone Cold Steve Austin. And the Dream tweeted, no. They had their time. They're past their prime. Guys, I'll spend nine ninety nine on the network. Use what got you here because... We're more than a generation of dreamers. We are the dream generation. And yes, I am the one to talk. 
Hashtag money well of mouth is. Yes, and then he went on to treat, we are in the time of the slave. Slaves, too public opinion. I refuse, and if you had balls, you would too. The 80s, with a ghost face emoji, or skull face emoji. The new new generation era, era, the new generation era, with a skull face emoji. Attitude era, skull face emoji, all dead. It's time to revolt, no matter your three-letter orientation. Hashtag the dream generation. Well, it's weird, isn't it? Because, you know, the dream's been featured recently, even though he's been very vocal, uh, really successful on the Wells Collide Tournament. And now he's featuring on WWE Halftime Heat as well. And that's what we're going to watch next. It's the 3rd of February, and it's Alistair Black, Ricochet, and the Velveteen Dream versus Alan Cole, Johnny Gagano, and Tommaso Jumper. Well, put your seatbelts on, lads, because this is going to be a humdinger. While Maroon 5 was uh, crooning the audience, you could have switched over to the network and watched this. That is your referee for Halftime Heat. And like you said, Dan, Maroon 5 are playing at the moment and we're getting introduced to NXT. We, we see a video at the start saying, what is NXT? And kind of seeing the best clips from the, the past couple of years involving these six men. Would you say these are the six best in NXT at the moment? I would say these are the five best in NXT at the moment and Adam Cole. <laughs> I mean, they really are. So anybody that's never, ever seen them before, Dan, how would you explain? Uh, you do the, the do, do you want to do the face team? Oh, right, you do your face team. Then. Explain to them anybody that's never seen them before. Well, Ricochet, he's probably one of the greatest high flyers I think I've ever seen. Met him live, good person. Velveteen Dream, he is just a completely charismatic cal- uh, character with tremendous talent. And Alistair Black... He just sits where he wants. Well, he sits where he wants. Well, this is filmed at the Performance Centre with an in-house crowd. We don't want any spoilers for this. Well, Johnny Gagano on the hill probably had the greatest story told in the WWE in these past 10 years from babyface and Team DIY alongside his tag team partner tonight, Tommaso Ciampa. And in a vicious split, took Gagano and Ciampa down. And, I mean, these men have had wars with each other these past year. And Gagano's kind of turned to the dark side recently beating the man he's facing right now, Ricochet, for the North American Championship. These two men had an absolute, absolute classic at Phoenix just a couple of weeks ago. You can see we're early going. It's like a firework display at the moment. Would they have benefited more if this was actually played on public television? I think it would. You know, you talk about halftime heat 20 years ago. This is a tribute to it. We saw it last month. WWE versus WCW is Rock and Mankind. You know, that USA Network, they showed it right there. Got big viewers. You know, I think it would be great. USA Network maybe could have carried it this year. If it's been a success, maybe next year, you can definitely see it. I mean, there's six men who, you know, want to be introduced to NXT. You can't really get any better. You know, I've not mentioned Adam Cole, the leader of the Undisputed Era, of course. And Garnet there has got his problems with Chumper. Doesn't want to tag him in because, obviously, former tag team champions in themselves, Chumper, NXT champion. And Adam Cole... Baby, undisputed era leader, but needs a kind of big win. And tonight, could he get one? Lost the North American Championship to the man he's fighting right now, Ricochet. <laughs> We've done that one before. We Ricochet with <laughs> Gagano. And here comes out the Black, former NXT champion. He feuded with um, Adam Cole last year, beat him in a street fight. Adam Cole's lost a lot, actually, when you think about it. Second rope, Black comes off, spins round, and four hour. Adam Cole with a super kick gets blocked. And now it's Alistair Black with the knees. Oh, oh, it's a knee to the jaw. Two. Oh, but only getting a two count. Two. 
So as a as a more fitting tribute, would you rather have seen an empty arena match, like you know, <laughs> say Gagano versus Velveteen Dream, or right. you know, or anyone? Well, you could have done it with uh, Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins or something like that. You know what I mean? Maybe used it on the main roster. I can understand why they're using it now to showcase. I think a six man tag team match is better because, like you say, you get people a chance to shine. Like Velveteen Dream is now just springboarding his way in, and the fans definitely behind the Dream wasn't at Phoenix, but as been busy ever since. Oh, when he goes down to a three-point stance, he's wearing uh, a kind of American football get-up as a tribute to the half-time heat. It looks like Mojo Rawley there. Yeah, it looks like Mongo going to go for a three-point stance, but like those two men, get kicked right in the face. And Chomper now on the attack. <coughs> Chomper being over 200 days. Who would have thought that when he first won the championship? I don't think anybody... I don't even... I thought he would be NXT champion. I, I highly doubted his credibility of be, being an NXT champion as well. But here we have it. You know, how ties change. How someone can be off injured for a while, come back and completely reinvent himself. And Alistair Black sitting where he wants. <laughs> Distracting Gagano. Dream takes him off. Oh, and Ricochet landed in his pose. A Velveteen Dream flipping over the rope, rolling through. <laughs> and all three guys in their trademark poses absolutely perfect well this is what these three men are all about so which side would you back then the side with the North American champion NXT champion and that tosser or the face side of Velveteen Dream Ricochet and Ali B I've got to go for the champions they're not champions for no reason it means they can pull out victory even when things aren't going their way and just like that they've turned the tables already sent the Dream into the ring post are now on the barricade. Hangs well, him up on the barricade. And just comes running in with a knee to the side of the head. And Chomper patting himself on the back. It's all about him now. Well, who are you back in this match then, the two teams? I can't discredit my mate Ricochet, my man Ali B and Velveteen Dream. I think the faces are going to slightly edge it. And, you know, perhaps 50% going against you as well, James, because I do <laughs> like our rivalries. Well, there's no point on the line. There's no bonus points on the line for this one. And a jaw-breaker there by the Dream gets some separation from Chumper, but Gagana gets a blind tag. And now Irish route reversed by Chumper. And of course, not, not discounting, we've got Shawn Michaels on commentary for this match as well. Yeah, an absolute legend here, you know. Gagano hooks a leg, but Dream rolls through to stop the pinfall count. I think it would have probably been more momental to have Mick Foley or The Rock on commentary. But, but Michaels is the training out at the Performance Centre. And when asked about the Velveteen Dream, and he said, you know, could he be the next Shawn Michaels? He said, that's uh, setting the ceiling for him. He just could be the first Velveteen Dream. Who knows what he could accomplish did himself. And that's coming from an absolute legend, Shawn Michaels. And speaking of, maybe people say, most like Shawn Michaels, Adam Cole, is in this match and he's taken out Ricochet and Black. And he's promised to wear gold in 2019 as he looks on. Cole off the second rope. Oh, gets caught with a super kick to the gut, though. <coughs> but Velveteen Dream, I think he's at his shin in the process. Unable to capitalise on it just yet. Gets a tag to Ricochet. He gets taken out, as, uh, who takes out Adam Cole as he springs over the top rope. Well, Chumper Gagano and they get dodged by Ricochet. How I can run a Ricochet on Chumper. And Ricochet just completely running roughshed through all three guys in the ring. Throws Gagano into jumping a DDT position. Then net breaks him. 619 to Adam Cole in the corner. Springboard uppercut. Upper what? 
Ricochet standing, standing moonsault. One, two. Oh, oh that's so two, count. two. That was so good. It should have been an outstanding moonsault. Ricochet picks Cole up on his shoulders, but Cole managing to get down, kick the back of Ricochet's head, tagging Gagano. And now Gagano trying to look for the Gagano escape. But he tags in Alistair Black. He runs through Gagano. And Alistair Black's got a problem with Gagano. He's the, Gagano's the man who took out Alistair Black for about three months, attacking him in the car park. And Ali B swinging through, taking out both Gagano and Chomva. Oh, but only a two count. Two. And Alistair Black now on the outside. Jumps over the top rope. Springboard moonsault. Takes out both Chompa and Adam Cole. Oh, but Gagano with a suicide dive. Taking out Black. Oh, Velveteen Dream off the top to take out uh, Gagano and Cole. Chompa up on the apron, but that won't stop Ricochet. Springboard drop kick sends him down. Ricochet is going to go flying. Here he comes. Oh! Gagano <laughs> springboards his way back in to kind of get out of the way. We try to spear. I think Ricochet dodged it. Double knees by Black. Now kick to the face. German suplex with a bridge. Goes for the cover, but oh. only a two count. Two. Is having Jess Carr in charge kind of an exhibition, or does she, do you feel she deserves... I think she... Well, we know she deserves it. But are WWE doing it? Because of that, I hope they're doing it because, uh, you know, she definitely deserves a position. But I think it's a point of going, look, we've got female referees. Well, look how much we're changing. So it's a part of both, you know. But I don't mind it because I get what I want. As they look to Dream and Black look to suplex Gagano. But Chomper stops it. And Chomper and Gagano exchanging blows with uh, Black and Dream. And now Dream and Gagano go to the outside. It's Black with a kick to Chomper. Oh, but Alistair Black gets caught with a kick by Cole, get pushed off the apron. Partnered with a DDT by Chompa, who gets caught with a moonsault by Ricochet. But he gets caught with a DDT by Gagano. And he gets caught with a DDT by Velveteen Dream. To... Oh! Well, Gagano... Uh, Gagano somehow managing to kick out. Uh. They must have got told, just go out there and tear it up. And that's what we're seeing right now. Of Velveteen Dream checking his play, uh, most quarterbacks do. Well, it's third down now. Is he going to look for the touchdown? It's the bottom of the ninth. No, that's baseball. Uh, the pucks are out. Go puck yourself. Oh, my God. Ricochet gets tagged in. Dream's picking Gagano's. Try a double team. No, Ricochet pushes Dream out the ring. Gagano pushes Dream out the ring. Ricochet dodging it. Oh, but gets turned inside out of a clothesline from Gagano. Who tags in Adam Cole. And now Ricochet fighting both men. Dodging. He's got Adam Cole. Pushed him into Gagano. Super kick to Cole. Gagano ducks out of the way though. Rolls Ricochet through. Standing <laughs> shooting star. Springboard gets caught with a super kick upside down. Oh by Adam my god too. Oh but Ricochet managing to kick out. Ah. Uh-huh. Well, even though we've seen that move before, it's so impressive. Moonsault getting caught. And Adam Cole can't believe what's it going to take to put Ricochet down. Oh, and Adam Cole's going to look for the last shot on Ricochet. Here he comes. Ricochet ducks it, rolls up Cole. One, two. Oh, oh but Cole managing to kick out. Ah. Uh-huh. Now Cole with a forearm to Ricochet. And now Chumper and Alistair Black are in. And here comes Gagano in Dream. <coughs> and all yeah, you're si- punches between all six guys. Six-way super kick. <laughs> and now it's 
both teams facing each other off. And the dream suplexes Chumper and himself over the top. And it's just Cole and Ricochet in the ring. And now Cole's got an idea in mind. Gets caught by Ricochet. Oh, oh no. Canadian Destroyer. One, two. Oh, <laughs> but Ricochet managing to kick out. Oh. Well, that move is banned. I mean, I can't believe they able to use it. Like Panama him, Sunrise. You might call it the Panama Sunrise, but Ricochet is out on his feet. Or out on his knees at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's Cole and Chumper. And Chumper looking at Gagano, and they know what they want to do. We're going to see a freeway super kick. I never thought we would see this in my life. Oh! Ricochet's out. <laughs> Ricochet is out too. But Cole coming in to, uh, but Black coming in to save the day. Oh my God! A dream gets a tag from Ricochet, but now it's three on one. He's on Dream Street as he faces off against three members of the opposition. He says, "Can't bring it on," as he's fighting them all away. Go on, Dream. Well, the Dream fighting the odds, but he's definitely got the crowd behind him. You can hear Shawn Michaels referring to him as my boy. Well, double super kick low by Gagano and Cole. And now Chump has got him. No, he manages to get out of that. Oh, Cole inadvertently hits Chumper. <laughs> Black hits. No, Gagano nearly hit Chumper. He's the only one that missed it. Black mass kick. Gagano's out. Dream Valley driver to Chumper. And Chumper down, Alan Cole, super kick to Black, blocked. Black catches his foot. Oh! Pow, Black Mass kick. Dream Valley driver. And now Ricochet in springboard. 450. 450. Dream up. Dream down. Purple Rainmaker goes for the cover. One, two, two three. And the faces win. The Velveteen Dream not only wells collide... But now a big win and half-time heat. Dan, what are your thoughts on that match? I thought it was an absolute fucking bomb, and a brilliant. It, it was, yeah, it was a great exhibition of what these five great wrestlers and Adam Cole can do. I think Adam Cole was brilliant in that match as well. I know you don't like him, but you can't admit he definitely brings it. And I think that's what we've seen in that match right there. You can't have a better exhibition for NXT than that right there. I mean, all six men brought it. It was breathless at times. The action didn't slow down. And a fantastic advert. And anybody who's lucky enough to watch that during half time, uh, during the Super Bowl halftime, it's fantastic effort. But I would suggest you go and watch that match above all else at the moment. But now it's time to start NXT Update. Dan, when does NXT Update start? Now! So it's February 6th, episode 491. And after the standard open, Mauro Ronaldo, Percy Watson slash Jackson and Nigel McGuinness welcome us back to full sail as the new North American champ enters. Well, Johnny Gagano's all 
Johnny Gagano's all smiles as he enters with his new belt to a mostly adoring crowd. He soaks in Johnny Champion chant with a small dissenting Johnny Sucks response, then grabs the mic. For years, we've all been on a winding journey in NXT. He agrees with the You Deserve It chant, saying, We deserve it, and we were validated when we won the North American title. He's proud to say, Johnny Wrestling is back. Cue the NXT Champions music. Well, Tommaso Ciampa stalks onto the stage, and he's not out to take away from Johnny's moment. He's here to celebrate it. At TakeOver Phoenix, Gagano proved what Ciampa already knows. knew. He knows how to listen. Johnny followed the champ's lead, and now they... Both of them holding gold is the dream they always used to talk about. Riding up and down the road, just trying to get to NXT. Well, the final shot of TakeOver with both of them on stage holding their belts proved this is our moment. Johnny says there is no us. The only reason he came on stage at the end of the night in Phoenix was to prove he'll never need to muscle Champa. And here's Velveteen Dream. Well, Dream says this is cute. DIY as champs. But he's not out here for Gollum and his precious gold or Johnny Badass. This is about the man who stole the show at TakeOver just by showing up. While they were winning gold, he was winning the World's Collide Tournament. And that means he gets a shot at the NXT title of his choosing. Chumper steps up to him, but Velveteen tells him to back up. He can see the lust in Tomasa's eyes, but the dream is over for the NXT champ. He wants Gagano and a North American title. Johnny says that while Jim was sitting in the seats at TakeOver, he was winning the belt, and the next night he represented the entire NXT universe in the Royal Rumble. Sitting on top of the world, and he's feeling dangerous like Baker Mayfield. Well, Dream doesn't care about that. He wants to know if, when they face off for the belt, he'll get Johnny Champion or Johnny Jackass. Gagano backs away while the crowd chants Johnny Jackass. He and Chomper trade a glance while both stand on the ramp. Then the NXT champ backs up and leaves as we go to commercial. Well, we get a recap of what we just saw like it was Raw, saying, and then he announced him, recap it, and hype the six-woman tag team main event. We see the Cruiserweight Crusader enter in the building, and then it's time for a match as the Forgotten Sons, Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler enter with Jackson Rexler. Riker. Jackson Riker! Yes, and Jackson Riker defeated Mansoor via pinfall following a sit-out chokeslam slash powerbomb. Well, he announces high part of the Middle Eastern prospect, but he's immediately shoved into the corner at the bell, then dropped with a flurry of forearms and knees. Riker carries him to the corner and drapes him there before clubbing him to the mat. Mansoor gets an elbow up after a rip in the corner, but gets speared out the air on over seconds later. Riker drags his opponent back in so he can hit his finisher again, and then Blake and Cutler separate him and get him out of the ring. Well, Kathy Kelly is waiting for Ricochet to finish a photo shoot so he can ask him about Dream challenging Gagano. Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era interrupt to tell her Ricochet is a one-trick pony. The one and only comes over and Cole tells him, tells him Rick goes to the back of the line for the North American title. He doesn't know if he's knocked a few of Cole's screws loose, but he beat him for the belt in the first place. Era's leader to a match next week and Cole accepts. After the Undisputed Era walks off, Ricochet takes... Ricochet tells Kelly he doesn't care who's in the way. As soon as he sees an opening, he's taken his title back. And we see Drew Gulak defeating Eric Berghagen, Bugenhagen, via submission with the Gulak. And Bugenhagen's, Bugenhagen enters playing the air guitar and drums and hitting high notes. He's kind of Joey Ryan meets Wayne Campbell. The crowd chants for an encore at the bell and Gulak looks disgusted. Eric powers Drew to the mat, but when he celebrates with a high note, he gets drop-kicked into the corner. A big slam into the ropes is followed by chops, then a snap suplex for a near fall. Gulak works the neck, but Eric 
powers out, punches Drew into the corner and locks on an abdominal stretch made famous by who? Wilbur Schneider. To do an air guitar on Gulak's ribs. That's the last draw as Gulak punches his way out, suplex and locks in his finisher. Well, Drew gets a mic and he says he travels the world proving he's the best submission specialist in WWE. And he's disrespected. They gave him Ben Stiller from Dodgeball. If there's anyone in the back who thinks he can step to him, come on and get stretched, bro. Matt Riddle is here, bro. Is that really what you think of NXT, bro? Because everyone here sets the bar every day, bro. So he needs to get out of here or he'll come down there and tap you out of it, bro. Gulak tells him to kick those flip-flops off and come down and make his day. Riddle tells him he's chosen wisely, bro. Kicks those flip-flops off and heads to the ring, bro, as we head to commercial. Oh, here we go then. So it's Gulak and Riddle. We've already seen it in the early going. And any anybody followed these two men in Evolve will know how great technical specialists or they, what they can do in the ring here. Obviously, Dan's got a problem with Matt Riddle. I mean, I, I don't really like the gimmick as much, but I don't mind the wrestler. I think there's a couple of tweets that need to be changes. I think Boots would be a good start. I think if you're going to go for the kind of more technical aspect, I think Gulak is the kind of guy I appreciate more. But I think he's more the wrestler to the kind of MMA type that Riddle is bringing right now. We've seen that kind of a lot recently, haven't we? I think Kyle O'Reilly's probably the guy that kind of gives it the best in that way with that kind of style involved. But Riddle, I've got to admit, uh, with what we've seen of him, he's definitely got a little bit of fire about him. <clears throat> as he caught Gulak with a forearms and then ran into a dropkick by Gulak. And Drew's another man we've seen on 205 Live now getting a chance on NXT. But, you know, we don't want to forget that Drew has just come out of a tough, hard-fought match against Eric Bergen, Bugenhausen, Heigen, Feigen. Well, yeah, exactly. Gulak has just had a long match and now he's again going against Matt Riddle. He said it's no real competition and he wants it and Riddle... Has responded. And Gulak's tying Matt up in knots at the moment. Now Riddle rolls through, but Gulak still the incendiary here. Got the side headlock in, just turning the arm over. I mean, I guess this is the American version of like kind of what Pete Dunne does. We'll see if the style holds up. Riddle now locking the neck, but Gulak gets out of it. But like it or not, Matt Riddle is going to be the future of NXT. It's the way they're going to position him. In this year, as Gulak taking down Riddle now. We saw it with the Cassius Ono feud. It's kind of building a little bit of toughness. A little bit of fire in him. And then we've got to see what targets he's going to set out. What he should do with every wrestler, really. And see where he wants to go from here. As Gulak's coming. He wants to prove a point that he can beat the best in NXT. <laughs> the best? Yeah. He's not even submission, the best. Submission specialist. That's what Gulak said. Mm. Yeah. I'm only going with what they're saying. That's Gulak's opinion, and he's entitled to it. Exactly. We might not agree with it, but... And now Gulak's got the knee to the back, bending down Riddle. And I can see the smile on your face, Dan, for the punishment that Riddle is indeed taking in this one. He's getting stretched by Gulak. As well as getting a bit of joint manipulation, and not the kind that Riddle likes, the fucking stoner fuck. Well, we saw what the the toes and the damage it took from Ono at Phoenix as he well. He's got his toe bit. He's got his toes bit. He's got his toes attacked, and yet still with no extra taping on them. Nice that uh, nice suplex there with a float over, but Riddle managing to kick out. Uh. Now Gulak back to the arm. Now Riddle back to his feet. 
slaps and chops, but Gulak responds. And Riddle now managing to pick up Gulak, slam him down. Oh, I think Riddle's going to work. You think Riddle yeah. would? I think it's going to work. Once they get the cats right, they're, they're obviously they're high about him. He's definitely got the look. He's got the crossover appeal that they want with a kind of MMA background. He's definitely going to be someone in a couple of years' time, unless he gets caught with marijuana or an injury. Uh, it's going to be someone that they want to promote. We've seen him already. You know, look at people like Keith Lee that come in. Look at other guys. They've not been featured. Riddle's come in and he's got a storyline in every little point. Even a feud after Ono. And now he's featured with Gulak. And you know it's going to kind of move on from there as well. I, I don't mind the style, to be fair. Like I say, the, the things, a couple of things that annoy me about him. You can't have Mojo Rawley's gimmick. But, I mean, if they want to go that way, it's, they're going to find a problem. NXT, you can protect him enough and only use him enough so the fans get excited still but on Raw or Smackdown I think he might be kind of eating alive a little bit we've not really seen him much on the promos either well, one mo- thing that really annoys me about him is his fucking frat boy gimmick he's got yeah no that get the really gimmick I hate fucking it fucking annoys me no I, honestly it's, it's, it's the worst thing about him I think the only reason we're watching it you know impartiality aside is the fact this is kind of the, the biggest storyline at the moment, on this episode, the start of it, and what the future is building towards the North American and the NXT Championship. And this is the kind of young up-and-coming. Unfortunately, it's going to be saying we're going to have to get used to whether we like it or not. Yeah, you know, he might be able to wrestle, but I think his gimmick and his look just takes that all away from him. And again, and again, it's another type of, you know, wrestler, it's the kind of same thing with the MMA it's, you know, he's he's got to show that he belongs in the wrestling world. He can't just be that kind of guy like Lesnar's become. That's what sort of Carl O'Reilly would be a good point of using that style in an efficient way. Yeah, I think Carl O'Reilly, you know, he's, he can work. And he's he's entertaining in his work as well. And that doesn't take away from what he does in the ring. I think with Riddle, it kind of hurts him a little bit. As Gulak looking to roll up, roll through. And he's got him up. Into the power through, knee to the face. What was that all about? Goes for the cover. Oh no, Gulak managing to kick out. Uh. And now right back to it, the elbows. Bro missions in. Gulak's got nowhere to go. Don't tap. Don't and he's me. tapping out. Matt Riddle showing there that he can get the job done showing when there that he can beat someone who's just had a match. Well, yeah, but again. The fans seem to be a little bit into him at the moment. I've got to say, it wasn't bad, you know? It wasn't a terrible match, no, but it's, it's just his fucking character that annoys me, and I think that might be what's bringing me down on him, but I think he's a tit. Yeah, and like I said, you're to your video of it, Matt Riddle is what we like at Lumpet. He's going to be featured, but I think Gulak, you know, like I said, lost, but lost nothing in defeat because he's already beaten a guy and took the limit as well. <clears throat> And Gulak offers his hand, and Riddle accepts there's no shenanigans, as we see the horsewoman loosening up backstage. Leave it. Well, Bianca Belair and the Sky Pirates, Io Shirai and Kari Sane versus Shania Baszler, Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir. Yeah, I mean, at this point as well, we've got to say, NXT is still a development league. You know, like, we love it for what it is. But it's still training people who maybe not be ready. And whether that be Matt Hatter, even though some people hate me saying that, or if it is with Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir as well, that, you know, kind of not being ready. It looks like Bianca Belair is still involved in a feud with Basler, which might surprise me uh, Might surprise me a little bit. But obviously she impressed at Phoenix, didn't she? She did indeed, yeah. And, you know, there's still some bad blood. I think there was pictures posted of uh, Shania Basler's hair whip injury. 
Um, but again, you know, with Bianca Belair, what, is she just kind of face now, teaming with a couple of faces, or is it just the enemy of my enemy is my friend? I think it's that at the moment, you know, because if you look at what the Sky Pirates and, and their problems with that, and Belair needs backup, uh, so, you know, maybe she's just using a bit of common sense, as Basler tries to do her best Samoa Joe impersonation there. Oh my God. Well, tagged in Shafir, she got caught. Tags in Jasmine Duke. And now Duke's in. Chicken oh. wing slam face first into the mat. I mean, are they there at the moment to be a punching bag for Shania Basler, do you reckon? You know, like, are they using like, the new J&J security? Wait a minute, Bianca Belair's got Kari Sane in a gorilla press. Oh, she drops the insane elbow. One, two. two. Oh. Just managing to kick out. Uh, well, it looks that way at the moment with the four, well, the three horsewomen, Basler. But I've been really impressed with Sane and Shai as well. The two women have got a lot of upside here. As Sane now put back in the corner. And now Kari Sane's got Shai. And they've got older Jesbin Duke. Take her down. Flip her back up. Double Irish whip. Oh, Ooh, Shirai with a chop, Kari Sane with a kick to the back of the head. And the Sky Pirates don't like these women. And Kari Sane might look sweet and innocent, but it's definitely a dark side to her. And oh my God, Shafir has got Kari Sane on the top rope. <laughs> and they're trying to please tag Shania, which <laughs> is not great. And Sane off the second. No, she's going to go up. She gets distracted by Baszler. Oh, gets caught. And Shafir pulling Sane off that top rope. Grabbing a Hey, here comes Baszler. And a bit of a cheer going up as Baszler gets tagged in. Well, she's the only one that can work, so... Barely. Well, she's not a bad worker. She's not a great worker, though. No, she, uh, no she's, she is. She's not... I think she's good. I think she's on the level. Only Alexa Bliss. I think she's as good as Alexa Bliss. No, listen, I'm not just saying that to, to have a shot at you. Yes, I, think Baszler's, I think Baze has shown in her matches with Sane how good she can be. Belair was a good match at TakeOver, barring the, the bullshit interference. Well, I think Belair was probably the one that was carrying that match more I know, than I, Basler. I don't think so. I, uh, well, that's your opinion, and yeah. you can keep it to yourself. No, 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 I, I think you're wrong with that, because Belair was probably led through by the hill in that one, which is Baszler. Baszler got a little bit more experience on Belair as well. So it is probably Baszler uh, calling the shots, like she is probably in this one at the moment. And Sane caught in the corner now. Well, Duke with a kick going for the cover on Sane, but she gets showed up at two. Two. Well, Shafir with a hip toss. And she's bringing Shafir to me. And now Baze is in. Baze, the Irish whip. And a shot right to the back. She's smirking. No, James, she's just so fucking ugly you can't tell the difference. <laughs> and now work a leg. Got the foot in the back of the head. She's got the half Boston in. Oh my god, and a stomp away. And her head bubbles out because she means business. <laughs> Shafir going for the cover, but same manager to kick out. Uh, what's that the crowd are chanting? Well, about a dozen of them are chanting, you can't wrestle. And now Sane, uh, Sane. And now Shai and Belair looking for the tag. Sane getting caught by Shafir. Oscar and Naomi in the corner ready to get tagged in. Oh, Sane looking for the tag, but luckily she tag in. Jesbin Duke, who stops it. Is it me or does Shafir look like she's a recovering crack addict? They both look like it. Sane throws Duke outside. Can she get the tag? Basler's in, but Sane gets the tag to Shai. 
And Eo Shirai's in, unloads on Shayna Basler. Oh, clothesline, clothesline, drop kick, drop kick. She's on fire, baby. Oh, she fears in, gets caught in the leg. And a shot right to that mask. Oh, double knees to Basler. Double knees to Shafir. 6-1-9 to Basler. Uh-oh, Jasmine Duke on the apron, but gets caught with the kicks. Knocked off. Shy springboard. Lovely drop kick. One, two. Oh. oh. Only a two count. Two. Throw through to Kari Sane, who's going up. Looking for that insane elbow. That's what won her. The May Young Classic and the NXT Women's Championship hits it. One, One two. two. Oh. And Shafir in there to stop it. Well, Sane looking to tag Shai, but Belair gets in and sneaks a tag. Well, clears house. No. He's got Shania Basler up on her shoulders. Yeah, Duke Shafir down and bang! And she hits a KOD for the one, two, no! Oh. You ruined my rhyme, girls. They're coming. Ladies. <clears throat> well, Shafir and Duke in. Get finally outside. Low bridged by Eo Shirai. Kari Sane up top. And now Sane up to the top. Oh! Flying cross body takes out Duke and Shafir. Wow, Shirai now tagging in Belair. Well, oh, Shai get the blind tag off Belair. Now she hops up to the top. Patted Asai Moonsault. Goes One, for the cover. Two, two three. Eo Shai has the women's champion here tonight in an absolutely awful match. But nothing wrong with Shai and Sane. Belair, meh, Basler, okay. Marina Shafir, Jasmine Duke, please try a little better. Anything you want to add to that? I'm starting to warm a bit on uh, Bianca Belair. I think she is uh, she's probably the third best out of that match, in my opinion. So shut your fucking yeah, all right, cool, excellent. So we move on to episode four nine two. I left our last fuck me in the face. Mark Tars is cock Dan fucking shit cunt fuck my cunt bollocks. So we move on to the last episode of NXT episode four nine two February thirteenth. Yes, we get a Pedro Morales memorial graphic. As we're on the open, Maro Ronaldo welcomes us to Full Sail and Percy Watson slash Jackson and Nigel McGuinness talk up the men entering our first match. And it's Dominic, it's Dominic Dijakovic. Dominic Dijakovic. Dominic Dijakovic defeats Shane Form via pinfall following Feast Your Eyes. Well, Nick Miller's old partner is still working heel and hasn't changed up his look a bit as a singles competitor. They lock up early and Diakovic drives Thorne into the corner. A nose grab and some leg kicks let the Aussie take control. Which he maintains with a wrist lock and inflicts punishment on the bigger man. The big Croatian powers out and flattens Shane with a lariat before he can mount much more offence. Thorne targets the arm again and reverses into a suplex. Same thing happens when Djakovic sets up for a suplex. But Dominic lands on his feet when he's flipped to the mat. He super kicks Thorne to the floor. Follows that with a corkscrew plancha, rolls him back in and hits his finisher. Well, the undisputed era in a new spot backstage. Adam Cole's tired of hearing that 2019 got off to a bad start. Hasn't anyone heard of speed bumps? 
Kyle O'Reilly says all of it, that's all it was. And says they'll get back on the road by proclaiming their NXT tag titles. Bobby Fish agrees and Roger Strong is excited that the team back up so he can go after singles gold. This year, all four of them will be dripping in it. Cole says that it starts tonight when he faces Ricochet, who is in way over his head. There is st- it's still their year and that is undisputed. Well, we get a flashback to last week when Io Shirai got the pin on Shania Baszler in the trio's main event. Upsetting Bianca Belair, EO was back interviewed backstage. She's coming for the NXT Women's Championship. Kari Sane says she is too. The EST interrupts to say she doesn't have a problem with them, but she had Shania beat last night in Phoenix, so they need to back off because the title is hers because she is undefeated. But she got defeated at TakeOver. Humberto Carrillo and Stacey Irving Jr. in the ring, but before their pro- Cassius Ono comes out to say he's been back in NXT two years and he just wants to say all the fans in full sale, they make him sick. He hates everything about them, their faces, their chants. They think they know everything, but he's going to tell them something they don't know. He's out of here. He's going to go somewhere. He can prove he's the best whoever did it. And Keith Lee blasts him with an elbow. Well, he mockingly says, oh no, to an unconscious Cassius. Lance sings, oh my God, instead. He said he should at least be thankful he didn't hit him in the dangly bits like KO did to him. If he's leaving, he shouldn't let the door hit him in the ass on the way out. He apologises to the guys in the ring for the interruption and says, let's get on with the show. That involves Montez Ford mocking, oh no, by lying next to him on a ramp and pretending he's having a seizure during the Street Profits entrance. Well, Street Profits defeated Humberto Carrillo and Stacey Irving Jr., via pinfall following a super blockboard on Irvin. There's a fun fast open with Carrillo and Ford, which ends in a standstill and a handshake offered by Humberto. Montez takes it, but then kicks him in the midsection into the corner for a tag and some striking combos. Honestly, can't keep up. It's an evening match to fair that really puts a shine on Carrillo and Irvin. The stories that the Profits, and especially Montez, have some edge. Ford does a DX crotch chop for launching off the top for the finish. <coughs> Well, we get the profits on the mic and Ford says everyone's going for gold and they want a piece of the act. Time in NXT has been a bit of a roller coaster and roller coaster means fun. But make no mistake, they're ready to go to war and if the Raw Raiders want to go to war... And just like that, here come Marcel Barfell and Fabian Eichner and they're saying opportunities around here are sacred. And they say they deserve a shot at the NXT Tag Team titles. So they're here. Oh, wait a minute. That can only mean one thing, James. Yes. It is Larkin and Birch. One and two. Well, these two men dead shot at the NXT Tag Team titles. They won't back down from the Street Profits or the EU connection. Come on, Larkin and Birch. Oh. And it's time to go to war. Uh-oh. The NXT Tag Team Champions are here. They're coming from behind, bitches. Well, Hanson and Rowe. Can hold the tag team titles for as long as they want, I feel. Well, he says there's an awful lot of talking about titles and no fighting. You want these titles? <laughs> you can come and get you them. Want my I'm going to come and get you. That title looks small on his shoulder. Well, the tag team titles, as the War Raiders are coming down, they're going to hold on for their titles for as long as they want. Oh, no! The undeserving era attacking as they always do. From fucking behind. Well, it's not Adam Cole because he's getting ready for his main event match with Ricochet, but it's fish. O'Reilly and Strong. And they, fall, they throw Hanson and Rowe in the ring, and now it's kicked off. 
Undisputed Era throwing the Wall Raiders into these three teams. Oh, Lorcan gets caught out with a forearm. And then running away with their tails between their legs. Oh, Birch sent out the ring and... Oh! Well, Lorcan's and Ford dispatched of as well. Oh! Pop-up power slam to Danny Birch. No, I think that's fucking Fabian Eichner, actually. Fabian Eichner. Oh, here comes Lorcan. And Eichner taken out there and now they've got only Lorcan. Here comes Rowe picking him up, Gorilla Press. Oh, it's thrown out onto the other guys. Well, my God, the War Raiders looking at Undisputed Era. They might have got one over. They might have thought they got one over, but it came back to bite them in the arse when the War Raiders are standing tall. So the usually excellent video puts on Johnny Gagano's 2018, and we're reminded that he defends the North American title against Wales Collide winner Velveteen Dream next week. Is this a wise move? For Velveteen Dream going after Johnny Gagano's North American Championship, shouldn't he have gone for the NXT Championship? No, well, he said he's over the NXT title and he wants to focus on Gagano. The newly aligned Hills celebrate, but Shania Basler is here. Born and a liar, or numph, look to leave the ring to the Queen of Spades, but Jasmine Drew and Rune Shavir attack from behind. They decimate all three of the women involved in the last match. The champ grabs the mic and says it was a message to the vision. Don't mess with them and definitely don't piss them off. Well, Tanara Conte defeated Aliyah via submission with a Kimura and some leg strikes to the head. Well, Vanessa Bourne wanders down to ringside, distracting Conte and let Aliyah take control. Or Conte numph. roars on the floor, but Bourne grabs her feet, and when she tries to get back in the ring, Numph attacks and ends yes, it. Yes, please, it's Numph, not Aliyah. Well, the Velveteen Dream highlight package covering the Wells Collide tournament win appearance in Phoenix and challenge to Gagana last week. We get another reminder about next week, which will be Gagano versus Dream Dragon Championship. And our main event is Ricochet, Ricochet versus Adam Cole. So we've got Dan's favourite wrestler going against Ricochet in the main event here of NXT. <laughs> so with a loss here, Ricochet will go to the back of the line if Adam Cole can get the job done. And these two men have had a great match before at a takeover. And this blood's going to be finished here. I mean, the Undisputed Era definitely got to get a victory soon. They've promised they will have 2019 will be covered in gold. And at the moment... They've done the opposite of that. Covered in silver. And now Adam Cole, forearm. Irish whip to Ricochet. Dodges Ed. Springs over, rolls underneath, catches in with a head scissors takedown, nips back up to his feet with a lovely, powerful drop kick, and sending Adam Cole scurrying away like the little rat that he is. Well, Cole taking his time, but, oh, can't avoid the suicide dive. And Ricochet showing a little bit more regression. I think Adam Cole's definitely got under his skin recently. Yeah, I feel it. And we need to see different layers of Ricochet. You know, it's all great seeing the high-flying action and what it could do to the ring, but we need to see a more serious side to him. What does he want to do? North American champion? Do we look for NXT title now? Well, I won't be surprised if this match gets half-decent and then the undeserving era come out and ruin it. Ruin. Well, Cole now on that top turnbuckle gets caught by Ricochet with a kick. Cole's in a precarious position, but bounces Ricochet's head off the top turnbuckle. And, ooh, try a sunset flip, but Ricochet holding on. Punches Cole in the head, but Cole kicks the leg out from underneath him and traps his foot in a tree of woe and capitalises on that. Well, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but the way his leg's twisted up there with a knee and Cole is going to town it right now. I don't know if Ricochet can get out, but he finally does. <coughs> and now Cole's got the leg and wraps it round that ring post. Well, Adam Cole is being stupid because he's kicking the back of Ricochet's head as opposed to going for the knee that's injured. Well, and now as you say that, he's going straight to that injured leg. So he must have heard you there. 
So he wraps around that second rope. But it's going to take a lot more than an injured leg to stop Ricochet. And I think Adam Cole realises that. I think Ricochet earned a lot of respect for Adam Cole at TakeOver. And that's why you wouldn't be surprised if the Undisputed Era came out here. Cole feels he doesn't need them. A leg whip taking Ricochet down. Yeah, the dragon screw there. Taking all the knee, taking the full brunt of that. Now, Adam Cole's just going to maybe take his time. Boots a leg and Ricochet just goes flying down in a mess. Referee keeping a close eye on him. Ricochet goes for the insecurity, but Adam Cole blocks it. Then straight back to that leg. And you can see the frustration with Ricochet. And now Cole's got the leg and twists it down again. Still just targeting the leg of Ricochet. For an idiot, it is quite clever going after the leg because, you know, a high-flying guy like Ricochet can't fly much with an injured wheel. Yeah, ever since he said that, he's just been on the offense. He's quieting the crowd down and stopping any offense from Ricochet. The referee's saying, look, don't be a dickhead. Obey the rules. I'm the referee here. I'll slap you if you don't. And as a consummate heel, he's probably going to ignore that advice. And that's going straight back to that knee. Ricochet, a couple of kicks to the face, getting away from the submission just for a second. Oh, but Cole goes down low, double drop kick to the knee. Ricochet managing to fight out, though. Looked like Adam Cole was going to go for a knee breaker on him. Turns Ricochet with a backdrop. He lands on his feet, but that injured leg kicks Adam Cole away. Rolls through, but still can't capitalise. But turns him inside out of a lariat. And Ricochet's making do with what he's got at this moment. Yeah, he's not functioning at 100%. But he's doing what he can and having to use the ropes to get back to his feet. Ricochet uses his entire body as a weapon. Now boots to Cole's face. Lures Cole into the corner, sends him head first into the second turnbuckle, hits a 619. Well, that's not that smart by Ricochet, but he still hit it and now he's looking to go up. Hopping up to the top rope. Lovely uppercut from the top. Don't call me Shirley, but he manages to hit a standing moonsault. Two. Oh. Only a two count. Two. Calm down, Mauro Ronaldo. The match is barely getting started, mate. Well, Ricochet trying to pick up Cole, but can't because the leg's been attacked for the majority of the match. This is not your normal Ricochet match. It's been Cole in control, and again, just kick it down, Ricochet. I don't think nobody thought we were going to see this. Ricochet set up in the corner. He tried to hit a little bit of offensive move, but Cole caught him with a step-up kick, and now takes him off on his shoulders. Hits him with that inverted net breaker. Goes for the cover. But no, oh. Ricochet. Shoulder up at two. Two. And Ricochet definitely got the heart determination of a champion. And Cole is getting so frustrated in this one. And now Cole getting to his feet. And you get a Ricochet Cole chant. And for a hill, Adam Cole is quite popular with the NXT universe. And now looking for a Slupex, but Ricochet dropping down to his knee. He's been the most boring Ricochet. Yeah, I blame yeah. that on the person he's in the ring with. How about Ricochet? <clears throat> a Ricochet going from behind, lands on his feet. Dodges That's the g- kick attempt from Cole. Northern Light Suplex rolls through, but can't put any pressure on that knee. Adam Cole again with that inverted neck breaker goes for a cover. One, two. Oh, but Ricochet managing to kick out. Oh. Well, Ricochet not being the smartest in this match. I mean, the offense he's using, you know, with with his legs involved. If you've got an injured leg, you've got to try something else maybe once in a while. Adam Cole's being in control. And now Adam Cole might be looking to end things here with Ricochet. 
Looking for the last shot. Ricochet ducks it, rolls him up. One, two. Oh, only a two count. Two. Cole with a super kick. Ricochet blocked the face, but he went for the knee. And now blowing him a kiss. Oh, Ricochet dodges it, though. Hits him with a reverse Hurricane Rana. Plants Cole's head into the mat. An incredible move there. And now Ricochet trying to roll him through. And Ricochet getting Cole in a position. And now the apron. And now he's trying to go up again. He's got more guts and brains. Oh. As he tries, his leg fouls him. <coughs> Collapses on the way up. Well, that won't stop him. A one-footed senton. Legs of oh. Cole, but Cole got the shoulder up at two. Two. And now Ricochet picking up Cole and again trying to pick up his whole body weight with injured leg and all. And again fouls him. Oh, Cole with a show, uh, elbow to the head. Gets out of it and then both men exchanging blows in the middle of the ring. Ricochet with an uppercut. Upper what? And now Cole with the forearms. And now it's Ricochet responding with that but again shot down with a leg. Cole goes for the kick but Ricochet dodges response with an uppercut and then a kick to Ricochet's face. Oh, Ricochet responds with a knee to the jaw. Cole responds with a kick to the back of the head. Ricochet with a pele, but Cole misses. Get, catches him with a super kick. One, two. Oh, but Ricochet managing to get the shoulder up at two. Two. Well, Cole's been one step ahead of Ricochet all match here. And it's shown in that final exchange. But now Alden Cole going to pick up Ricochet. Trying to put him away. Backs him up into the corner. Now Cole's got Ricochet in the corner. And the undisputed chant, but Ricochet chants trying to drown him out. Ricochet managing to fight out. Clubbing blow to the back. Ricochet trying to fight some life back into his left leg. Well, one leg and all. He's got Adam Cole, but Cole fighting off. And now Ricochet on the apron. Adam Cole's there. He's got the arm. And Ricochet on that top rope. Oh, Hurricane Rana from the top, though. Ricochet pulling it all out. Axe kick to the back of the head. Northern Lights rolls through. Powers up Cole for a suplex. And now he's got him up on his shoulders. Slams him down. One, One two, two, three. And Ricochet beats Adam Cole. I mean, I know you hate Adam Cole. But for a main event talent, he loses an awful lot. And even with the Undisputed Era running out to kind of beat down Ricochet, it doesn't help the fact that Cole looks like an absolute idiot. I know you're saying he doesn't need any help in that way, but if you're going to book a hill, But here comes Alistair Black now trying to even the odds. Black comes out to make the save. Gets caught with a super kick from Cole, though. And the numbers get to Cole, uh, get to Black. And the Messiah, the backbreaker, Roderick Strong just takes out Ali B. So the Undisputed Era, even though they've just lost, have laid out Alistair Black and Ricochet to set up another match. They'll probably lose. Dan, what do you think of that match of Ricochet winning? Well, I think that it makes Adam Cole look really weak if he can't beat a man with one, a high flyer with one leg. I mean, it just makes him look like a complete idiot. And that's not me, you know, being anti-Colist. I am, as you know. But I, I still think it makes him look stupid and weak. Um, and then, you know, the Undeserving Era coming out. Yeah, they managed to stand tall at the end of the show. But it was a four-on-one beatdown originally. Then a four-on-one again. You know, so it's kind of... 
But yeah, it, it's I, I don't know. It's the undisputed era of like a more boring version of the NWO. If you can get one of them, yeah, and no, they're not offering anything. They you know like they, they talk the talk, but they can't walk the walk when but, it comes down to it. You know, not taking anything away from the undisputed era. Singly, they've got quite a bit of talent. Carl O'Reilly's a good worker. Roderick Strong, he's not a terrible worker. Neither's Adam Cole for all his twattiness. Uh, Bobby Fish, you know, we haven't really seen too much of him since his return from his injury. We kind of know that he's going to be teaming up with Carl O'Reilly to, you know, formulate that tag team again. Um, but, you know, it's still... I mean, there's a lot of development in there. There's a lot of stuff to chat. I mean, I weren't that impressed with Rick there in, in that one. I want to see him doing something else, you know, to be involved in this. It's the same with Alistair Black. Oh, we all think we all thought that he was going to go up, and now he's, he's still in NXT. And it's like, okay, so so what's next here? You've got the Gagala Chumper thing, but they've got kind of, you know, explain that soon. I know we've got quite a little while now until the next takeover, so we'll see what happens until then. But, I mean, this month with NXT, I mean, it's been all right, but what's been your favourite out of... I mean, what have you thought of NXT this month, anyway? NXT, okay. It hasn't been anything to write home about. The halftime heat match was absolutely amazing that we started off with. We've seen some storyline developing, but, you know, the women's division, I think that's a bit of a shambles with the three horse women. I think they've been given too much limelight and they've kind of shaded away from better talent. Mm. Um, you know, Io Shirai, Shania Baszler and Kari saying I think them two are three good workers that could carry the future, uh, carry the women's division forward. I know you're not too struck on Bianca Belair, but I'd, I'd argue give her a no, chance. No, don't get me wrong. I like Bianca Belair. Um, it's just I, I felt Baszler's a stronger worker than she is. Like, you know, Belair with herself, it's like, what is she? Is she a heel or face? You need more. You, the problem with NXT at the moment, you haven't got kind of, uh, the proper characters. You know what I mean? They've not really kind of been fleshed out. As much, you know, what is she fearing Duke doing there? Are they just there to be, you know, Baz's bag ladies? You know, I don't want to see more sane and shy as well, what they're going to do with that. If they're going to introduce the women's tag team division, you know, NXT women's tag team division, or they're going to go for single gold. I want to see what they're going to do in that way. With the tag team division, I think it's kind of trying to build it up, but it's still kind of weak at the moment. I think the strongest point is the men's and the North American championship. But there's a point of kind of repeating the same old storylines. And if the Unspeed are going to get involved again with Alistair Black, which we've seen, and Ricochet, which we've seen, are they really offering anything new at the moment, you know? But you could argue with NXT, I think they take it one side of their division at a time. Now they overtake the women's division when you had Oscar there and, you know, having classic matches against Bailey, uh, Nia Jax, uh, you know, Ember Moon, Nikki Cross. They was having absolute barn burner matches. And you was kind of more focused on that. Um, you know, and then they went for a while over the tag team division as well. That's never been too strong. But, you know, there was still like a bit of a focus around that. And again, you know, it's gone back to the men's vision. Um, I, I think it does need a bit of change and I need to start pushing new stars because obviously it is going to be possibly, you know, six months to a year before the next lot go up yeah. to the main roster. Yeah. I mean, we're going to see stuff happen after WrestleMania, uh, and then we'll see what happens with it then. But like I said, you could take them at any time. I feel for me, out of everything we've watched, 205 Live, NXT UK, and NXT for me, what I'm most excited about is NXT UK, because with that product, they've just come off a takeover and they're still quite hot. You've got the tag team division with Mustache Mountain involved. They're a great tag team, Grizzled Young Vets, and like you said, with um, Lorcan, well, 
like there is with Lorcan and Birch are going to be involved in that as well. You know, and that's half the tag teams that they featured on NXT, you know, this week. You've got the the Tony Storm versus Ray Ripley, which I think those two women at the moment is a stronger storyline and better match than Bianca Belair versus Basler will be. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, that's what I feel. And also in the main event, don't get me wrong, I love the six guys we saw in Halftime Heat, but I want to see Pete Dunne versus Walter over every match we've kind of hyped up tonight. That's the one match that I'm looking forward to seeing the most. But that's the one match we haven't yet seen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the one match that we haven't got bored of. I know, you know, there or thereabouts, we've seen the combination of Dream, Black, Ricochet, Gagano, Cole yeah. and Chompa. We've seen them, you know, in possibly every single variation they can... Yeah, and, and the thing with 205 Live as well, Cesara and Murphy at the moment, once they go through this, what's next in line? They need, you know, each of their champions needs strong challenges to, to, to make it whole. You know, what's next in line for, for Chumper? Or were we not that sure yet? It could be anybody. And with Pete Dunne, the story's been told. And no matter where the next takeover is, they've already got their card set. You could have Mustache Mountain versus Grizzle Young Vets, free match. You could have Ray Ripley versus Tony Storm, two out of three. You could have uh, Dunne versus uh, Walter for the main event. And You're going to have Jordan Devlin against Travis Banks. Yeah, actually have that as a proper match. And then you have a debut with someone if you want to have that match there. Or, you know, stick Noam Dar involved. You know, there's, there's certain ways that you can fill out a number one contendership match, you know, or, or Team Gallus being involved in, in that way. So it'd be interesting to see what they do, you know. Well, I hope that Trevor Lee shakes things up in NXT. Well, I hope he teams up with Keith Lee and they're called the Lees. And then I could just be like, right, OK, we both know what these two guys are going to offer. Lee, Whiteley. Well, it worked, worked with the Duds, didn't it? So maybe. It did indeed, yeah, the Dudleys and the Lees. Yeah, so maybe that could work. But there's a lot to digest here. Uh, and like we say, we'll bring you WWE Net Review every month. Our next podcast is the WNR205, where we'll be watching the WWE Elimination Chamber. Of course, the first ever women's tag team titles are on the line. And on 205, we'll be watching one match from 205 Live. It'll probably be on the kickoff, but it's, it's going to be a 205 like, it's match. Good, it's definitely on the kickoff. That, they've confirmed it now. Murphy is the kickoff king at this moment in time. And if he doesn't mind it, that's fine. Like I said, we'll see him going against Tozawa. Uh, and we'll bring you all the chamber goodness next week. As well as prediction points on the line, James. And yes. James has promised me that he is going to beat me. All the way to WrestleMania. He says he's undefeated at WrestleMania. I was undefeated at the Royal Rumble until last pay-per-view, you know, and I was beaten. Mm-hmm. But, James, you know, he's undefeated at WrestleMania's. Could this be the year that the Undertaker streak comes to an end, or the Rollinator streak comes to an end? It will be. No, I'm 3 and 0 so let's see if you can beat me come WrestleMania. Well, I am the one in 3-1. and one. I'm going to be free and 0 when it comes to Mania on pay-per-view points, and I'm free and 0 at Manias. So good luck with that. Again, I don't want to spoil the chamber for everybody, but James is going to win. We all know that. That's the next episode, though. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter and let us know who you think is going to win. So before we go, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at WNetReview or at Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at Jan Scott Rowlands. Of course, all the Google platforms send us an email to WNR Podcast. At gmail.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, WNet Review Podcast there. We're on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. Come and find our page and give us a like with a WWE Network Review Podcast. And come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. You can listen to us on SoundCloud. Or on your phone. We're on Speaker Radio. We've got a live show coming up at WrestleMania weekend. Stitch Radio and iTunes. We can download, subscribe, rate and review there. But that is it. 
Uh, our next episode, WNR 205, it's The Chamber. But until then, I have been James Rowlands, and as always, I was joined by... Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Bye. <laughs>